most of you, I think, have seen Jim. Jim was here about a year and a half ago uh, and talked about strategic planning and um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, we've, all of us, at some time or another, hopefully annually, have been involved in strategic planning and budgeting and all that stuff. And we have all these wonderful two-day meetings, kumbaya and all that crap. And then we go back to our office and we don't do anything. Um, so um, I think what you're going to find today is a way to do something, uh, to take your strategic plan and move it forward. Uh, there's a lot of good ideas here. I think for a lot of you, this will be somewhat a look in the mirror. Um, so pay close attention to the things that Jim is talking about. Uh, I think you're going to find this a... Um, inspirational talk, but I think you're going to find you're going to walk away with a lot of, of um, things that you can take back to the office and that you can put into, into place fairly easily to make sure that your planning moves forward. Uh, Jim is the founder and president of Strategic Action Associates. He has 30 years of experience helping companies in a wide variety of industries successfully create and implement breakthrough strategies. His clients include GE, Disney, Chevron, Kaiser Permanente, and many other large and small companies. He is the author of Corporate Imagination Plus, Five Steps to Transitioning Innovative Strategies into Action. Please welcome to Pittsburgh, Jim Bandrowski. Thank you, Dick. Thank you. I'm delighted to be back to work with you. Been looking forward to it. Um, number of you mentioned asked about my risk. Uh, this will not be starting with a bowling lesson. <laughs> the CEO last last week asked if that's the way the, the program was going to start. Old sports injuries. Uh, it, when you play uh, rugby four seasons, Villanova. I'm a new East Coast guy originally, uh, running back, and then. 20 years of tennis, open level, 20 years of ski racing, open level, full contact karate for four years. You get some broken parts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have an artificial right ankle, and uh, so I can't really do sports anymore, And which is really a crying shame given my current athletic build. <laughs> <laughs> so with that introduction, um, I, I like to execute. That's the kind of the reason I brought that up. I, I'm not a scorekeeper. I like to help make score. And that's what the session's about today. <clears throat> Would it surprise you to know that every day, great strategy gets mugged in the streets of reality? Every day, great strategy fails. Why do you think that is? Dick mentioned, you know, kind of, you know, one or two things. You know, get, we do the plan, put it on the credenza or in the in the closet or whatever. Well, what are what are some reasons a great strategy can fail? Well, you, you do what's five minutes in front of you, what you have to get done, and then you realize it's nine o'clock at night. You haven't had time for the strategy part. Right. Even though that you even thought it up, because this session assumes you have a strategy or a major policy change, or a change in culture, whatever it is, something significant in your companies that you're trying to get people to execute do so, or do something different than the past. What's another reason they fail? People don't embrace change. People don't embrace change. Yeah. In fact, if not, even resist, it's resistant, exact, Jim, yes. 
a lot of times the strategy is disconnected with, with what people further down the line do on a daily basis. Beautiful, beautiful. Any others? Come to mind? They haven't uh, bought in or don't understand how to actually achieve uh, Right. They don't understand exactly what they need to do, and they haven't bought in, and they don't have the time. <laughs> and you, you know, the list goes on and on. It's amazing strategies actually happen. In fact, 80%, I didn't come up with this one, McKinsey, Bain, all they've done studies on this, 80% of new strategies in all size companies, from the giants to the you know, SMEs, uh, don't necessarily fail. 50% outright fail. Another 30 or 40% kind of clunk along and then eventually regress back. And so what we're going to be talking about today is how not to let that happen and how to take this either new strategy, policy, change, and make it happen and anchor it in so that it continues so you can go on to the next one and and still get your normal work done that takes up to 12 hours a day. So that's what the, uh, the promise is, if you will. So I call it execution excellence. And again, this follows either the, the breakthrough strategy process we went through last time, which, if you recall, had like waves in it, um, as well as breakthrough Lean Six Sigma, which is the third piece that I did, which is you come up with a new process or an improved process, and you have to make that happen. <coughs> Here's a little cartoon. I think Dick and I are on the same copy like cartoons. I hear it because we're right and they're wrong. (laughs) No one knows why we're going to war. (laughs) Is that not true? I mean, that's the way it is. Because both sides think they're right. And so that's one of the problems. (laughs) Why? Why are we even doing this? I couldn't get a picture of the 30-yard line as crystal clear as this one, so I'm using a 50-yard line one. But my opinion is that after you've got a crystal clear strategy, new strategy to implement, you're on the 30-yard line. Your own 30-yard line. <laughs> you have 70 yards to go. That's All right. <laughs> it's, it really is that. I, I really think that making strategy happen is your most important and challenging role as a leader. And so I'm going to give you a process and some tools today that you can take back and you can cherry pick whatever ones fit you or try the whole the process out. Another little cartoon. We'll execute our strategy in the usual way. The powerful will delegate to the untalented until failure is achieved. How long will that take? It's just... <laughs> these cartoons on, on poor execution. <laughs> so here's the objectives I brought. These are the objectives I brought, and again, I'm, to- I'm totally flexible. We can go wherever you want to go on this. Uh, number one, I'd like to discuss um, you know, how to do this implementation of a, of a new vision, strategy, change, culture, whatnot, and then understand this. I have a three-phased nine-step process. There's a number of steps in it. And go through that. And then we'll, I'm going to we're gonna practice each step. I'm going to have you do each step as we go through it on a small scale. And we'll share how it's working. And uh, that way I think, because uh, I'm a firm believer in learning by doing. 
as opposed to just talking about it. And it literally turns out to then be a cookbook that you can take back and use. Um, as I go through the three phase nine steps, at the end, I'm going to ask you, please, to be brutally, ruthlessly honest with me. What step could we leave out of this process? Or anything else you want to be brutally, ruthlessly honest on. So, you know, it's a lot of steps, but on the other hand, I'd like to hear if you think we can drop one. Or two, or three. Okay? Is that a deal? Can you be brutally, ruthlessly honest? I asked that in my last session. I think this group can be brutally. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So, um, I'd like you to think of, to make this as real as possible today, a strategy or change or something you're trying to accomplish with your team, the whole organization, so we can actually work on that as we go through the process. So take a minute to think through what is, is it a new strategy, is it a new branding, is it a new whatever it might be. And so get that in your head because we're going to work on them as we go through uh, this. So take a minute, think of which one, one or two, and then pick one to, to ride through the day or the half day. So focus on number one there for a moment. Everyone did it forget. Good, beautiful. What else? What other success factors? No, what's in it for them? What's in it for them? Yeah, Pete, the people. And I like when you said the people, because we're going to cover that one a lot. That's called the case for change or the call to action. And often we, we only present it for what's in it for the company. And not, we're going to, we have to drill down. we got to get granular for the people. Good. What's, what's another success factor? Uh, if, if, if you find a way to reward the people that are buying in, then the naysayers will start to pay attention, not not because of their hearing the speech, when they start to realize, at least in my business, compensation drives a lot of behavior, I think in every business. But, mm-hmm. but with some of the changes we've made where everybody is just pushing back, and all of a sudden they see somebody succeeding because they're on board, mm-hmm. that, that seems to help people's direction more than anything I could do by preaching it. Okay, beautiful, Tom. Good one. Uh, I think related to what everybody said, personally selling where you're headed with this because uh, oftentimes you think it's obvious, but it seems like it's got to be sold and resold to let everybody know where you're headed with it. Very perceptive, very perceptive word. I have a slide coming, but my philosophy is execution is internal marketing. <clears throat> and sell it. it. And you can use virtually every tool that you would use for external marketing and sales and use it internally. Because it is because it seems obvious and beneficial and how could they not want it? <laughs> and yet they don't embrace it. Beautiful. Great one. So I'd like to do a really fast review of the, the core kind of philosophy and approach that I, put, I do in everything, whether it be trying to get a breakthrough strategy or 
or uh, breakthrough process through Lean Six Sigma, or execute even. And it goes back to that single thing that I believe distinguishes great from good leaders. So what do you think it is? We did this last time, but I'm going to do it really fast this time because I want to do a very short, quick review of this core driving force. What, what do you all think the, the single thing is that distinguishes great from good leaders? Inspiration. Inspiration. Vision. Vision. Empowerment. Empowerment. Empowering the, the okay, beautiful. Execution. <laughs> Making it happen. Okay. Of low performers. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the kind of execution I was thinking. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. Dan never has layoffs. <laughs> I gotta take a look at one of these. I gotta see one of these assessment tools. <laughs> Dan uses a lot more layoffs before he hires people. <laughs> Great. I think it's a good thing. I already handled this. I don't know why it's doing that. I put it for four hours a second ago. Postpone. There's an election. Yeah. We're going to go through your update. Time for coffee. What do you mean? Now it's Your computer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried. I tried to make it four hours just before we started, but it's doing something now. Um, okay. So if you recall, because we don't need the slides, <laughs> <then I'll, laughs> we'll, I'll deal with that in a moment. But um, if you recall, uh, my basic philosophy is that leaders lead waves of innovation in the companies. And not only do they lead the wave to come up with a breakthrough strategy, they lead a wave of the change to make it happen. And the key on the wave is there's a top and a bottom. The top is, at times, being 100% passionately positive in terms of driving innovation, on the and saying here's the vision crystal clear thinking really high fact, high goals and and selling from an execution standpoint as was mentioned earlier the benefits of change whatever that particular change is selling the benefits on the other extreme i believe great leaders spend time a hundred percent in a pure state constructively negative negative not destructively which is can't do this won't work etc the constructive negativity is from a strategy standpoint it's to find the unmet need in the marketplace what's the next trend that you can jump on that if you don't could hurt you from an execution standpoint it's using the consequences of not changing as part of the message. Psychologists have proven that most people, when they undertake a personal change, a big personal change in their lives, most have started 
because of the consequences of not doing it. Then we get the benefits of having done it. So I'd like you to take a minute and think about one or two major personal changes you've made in your life and think what were the consequences, did they come into play or not, and or what were the benefits while I restart the start computer. So think about one in your life like that. My point was, I believe great leaders lead. I'm going to come back to that benefits in a sec, um, and consequences. I believe they lead waves of innovation while the rest of the world's making ripples. And they do it through this thing I've coined wave thinking. And not to be confused with right brain, left brain, whole brain, lateral thinking, all the rest of those. And again, I used this slide last time from Jack Welch. Can't behave in a calm, rational manner. You've got to be out there on a lunatic fringe. Um, since then, I, I met with Jack, uh, got briefly, got him to autograph my slide for me. <laughs> I've met him a few times. Um, and you've seen that note on him. Uh, we're not talking lunatic, remember? It's fringe. Fringe. Uh, but he meant this from both the standpoint of coming up with a breakthrough strategy at all levels of GE when he was there, and even more so on execution. Because his belief was, if you weren't a passionate as well as showing consequences, it wasn't going to happen. So we're going to use that power. That it's a force. The amplitude is part of this. And then we're going to, of course, have a lot of practical techniques to do that. So if you recall, that was the base model that we used for coming up with a breakthrough strategy. And I've highlighted the ones that have to do with execution. So, for example, harnessing harsh reality, uh, like the burning platform. That's an expression that came from the oil industry, but I've heard it throughout the Fortune 1000. What do you think like the burning platform means in terms of uh, making change happen? What do you think the metaphor means? Discard your old notions about things. Oh, okay. Good one. Good one. What would it take for you to jump off an oil platform in the North Sea? Somebody has a gun on head. <laughs> it was on fire. And not even. <laughs> I'm sorry. A waiting lifeboat. <laughs> You're always thinking ahead. This guy thinks ahead. <laughs> but when it's on fire, we're not talking about on fire over there. We're talking on fire right here to do that, right? And that's the, the principle is you have, to, you have to have everyone believe. That as good as the results we're getting, it's on fire (coughs) if we don't change. And here are the benefits when we do change. It takes that much energy. The bigger your organization, the more you need to use the fire. So whether we're thinking up strategy or we're trying to get the organization to implement, we've got to go deep, we've got to leap to reap. Because a little ripple does not motivate people to take on a challenge in terms of their work or whatever in, in a big change. Because of that resistance, you, you're the, uh, you know, the inertia, if you will, Jim, you mentioned. 
So now, again, I get pushed back where CEOs, general managers, top executives say, Jim, I'm not a Jack Welch, I'm not a Richard Branson, I can't, I'm not a cheer, super cheerleader type. So I don't, you know, going to those extremes is kind of, you know, iffy for me. So I say, fine, not a problem. At least get out of the metaphorical box somewhat in terms of your passion for the benefits and your also passion for the consequences if we don't change. So you got to get out somewhat because this typically doesn't make change happen. So that's kind of a core principle that permeates this entire process. Does that make sense, by the way? Or yes or no? Yes. Yeah, I, what was interesting is I invented this model, which is unique in the world. I, I'm about th two months, three months away from my second book. We'll take it further than the first book. And I originally invented it for strategy. And that CEO said, Jim, I, I use this for my execution as well. I went, wow, I never even thought of that. And that's where I've been building this out since then. Um, by the way, another element of this is when you do this, and I, and, I'm, and I say use the consequences, I don't mean threats. I mean to do it compassionately. I believe compassion is the key. People respond to compassion. They don't respond to in-their-face force. And I also believe compassion is the key to innovation. Feel the pain of your customers in terms of what they need to be successful. Feel the pain, in this case, of your employees trying to get the workout perfectly the way you would like them to. So instead of just saying, do it, and what the heck is wrong, if you feel their pain deeply, you can work with them to solve those things, whether it, again, is through a Lean Six Sigma process improvement or whatever. And so I believe this compassion is really key to the whole shooting match in terms of innovation as well as execution. Anybody know this guy? It's a little blurry, but he's pretty well known in the San Francisco Bay Area. Not the guy in the bed, the guy, the taller guy. Oh, it's Steph Curry. Stephen Curry. Curry. I believe that this compassion piece is even part of greatness in sports as well as everything. And in his case, whenever he has days off or mornings or afternoons off, he wanders the halls of Kaiser Permanente Hospital's children's wards and gives the kids encouragement. What other athlete you know would do that on a regular, regular day, almost weekly basis? And yet, and he's the one of the most modest guy and the greatest three-point shooter of all time and clutch player of all time. And he has that compassion. Now, a little minor bag, two twin boys, 20-year-olds, University of Arizona. And again, I managed to do the crazy skiing and I got the pictures on the wall. Well, one of my sons here, Ryan, went and tried to do what Dad did, you know. And he went and broke his back and blew out his hip. And he ended up in Kaiser. And so he's in Kaiser Hospital. And uh, 
he hears Stephen Curry's in the building and see him. He was 17, so he's just at the, in the, at the high end of the children's ward. So what does he do? Smart kid calls his mom. Mom, go buy me two basketballs, two jerseys, all this. And he spent about an hour with him and his mom, my wife, signing all this and whatnot. And uh, so I believe the great ones have the compassion. I really do. Anyway, here's a few quotes from him that I think apply to business. Success is not an accident. I want to practice to the point that where it's almost uncomfortable how fast you shoot. That in the game, things kind of slow down. He's the, he has got the fastest release in the game. That's what makes him so good. Not to mention the ball goes in the hoop. <laughs> and the third, down 27 points, that'll take nine shots. Which he pulled off in the fourth quarter in one of the games. Alright, that confidence that no matter how bad things are, you can pull it off. So, back to waves. I'd like to keep the wave concept as we go through this when we get into the mechanics and the nuts and the bolts. So, I used this slide last time, but I'm going to use it again only because it does kind of exemplify this benefits and consequences. On the positive side, the goal of Microsoft when entering any new market or product space is world domination. Okay, that's off my chart on the positive side. On the negative side, he said this almost every year in his state of the Microsoft address to all employees around the world, we're two years from going out of business. World domination, we're two years from going out of business. Do you feel some amplitude here? The funny thing is that's sort of happened to them. You know, they, they used to run 97% of the world's computers, and today they run 20%. Right? So Google and Apple completely right. swamped them with this shift to mobile. He was right. Yeah. He was right. Bomber was not the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. He was definitely not the best thing for them. So in any event... Um, so back to the point of, and I, I loved your point, where you said well, you, you have to sell it. I really do believe it's marketing. I said this was coming. You have to sell it upwards. Whatever this new strategy changes, you have to sell it to your board or your private equity you know, investors or whoever. So, we, or, And then you also have to sell it forward. You have to sell it to your customers either external or internal, depending if it's your multi-divisional company, like a Genco or something. And then, of course, you have to sell it backwards to suppliers. Let's say you wanted to improve their quality. They're going to say, well, we think it's good enough. you got to tell them why it's got to be better, right? Or cycle time reduction or whatever you might need. And then lastly, you have to sell it to your employers, employees, pardon me, employees, and your, and your 1099s and your contractors and all the rest of that. We're going to focus today on that one there, selling it to your employees, because that's the one you brought up the most. But everything that we discuss today, you can use for the other three groups. You can use it this way, this way, or that way. But trying to cover them all on every step would be too complex. But I think you'll see the principles work on them all. So we all we're going to make them all partners in the change effort. So before we dive into the process, one last point, if you will. This is the typical path of implementing a significant change in organization. You announce what it is, 
And people start to realize what it's all about, if you've communicated it relatively clearly. And they go, hey, that sounds pretty cool. Hopefully. And then... <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do while this is doing that... Bill Gates, Bill Gates right? Yeah. Thanks, Bill. This is why they lost their operation. I, I have no idea what's going on. It's delayed it for four hours. We're going to jump into uh, the first step of the process while I reboot this thing. Or it reboots this. Um, the first step of the process, and you don't even need to look at it, is, is we have to create a case for change or call to action and cl- as, as well as clarify clarify the strategy that you're, or, the, or the change or the values or whatever you're trying to get the organization to do. So in that regard, let's work on the case for change first. Remember we talked about we got benefits and we got consequences. So think in terms of the project change strategy that you've come we're going to work on and I'd like you to write down for just the employees later we'll talk about the other stakeholders just the employees jot down what are the benefits to them of this and what are the consequences if we don't do it now I'm going to give you a tip on the consequences uh, we don't want to come across negative. This, there's an art form here. So we don't want to necessarily say you'll be fired or this or there'll be a layoff. You, that, you save that for when, like, if it's like, you know, really in bad shape. The number one consequence from a strategic standpoint that I find is most effective is let's say you have come up with an innovation or a new strategy you think is a winner. The consequence is if we don't do this and our competition does where will we end up see there's no threat in that but it's a very powerful consequence if you feel like you got a winning strategy now if you don't have a, a winning strategy then you don't, you, you can't use this but let's assume you have something that's really good so think in terms of benefits and consequences to employees and jot those down please well, I restart this. This is the first part of step one of the nine steps. So what I find best is we sh- a couple people volunteer for each one of these as we go through it, and then the rest of you coach them. So I'd like to ask for a volunteer to state what is this new strategy or change that you would like to implement, and then I'd like and then state what the benefits are and the consequences as if you're trying to convince the rest of us and the rest of us are going to role play we're the employees of your company with me on that? so the rest of us are the employees and you're going to say here's the change in one sentence you don't have to go into it in great depth to maximum and then what are the benefits and what are the consequences to the employees who'd like to volunteer for this one? I'll do it if you're desperate. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, yeah. I have to say I cheated a little bit because, not, well, I started because it's what we're 
doing, but the point is the pace at which the change is flowing. I need some amplitude here. So it's beautiful. So here, here it is. Beautiful. You know, we've got to, uh, we're in the midst of um, uh, defining a new portfolio of products, uh, making things new ways, uh, bringing in-house things we used to outsource because of a bad supplier and, and all kinds of things are converging. That, that really is having us just rethink and uh, reposition all our products uh, with a whole fresh look. Mm -hmm. So you got to have people making stuff different. you got to have people selling stuff different. Okay. you got to have people it's not easy. following the, uh, the lead that, you know what, we're going to dump that supplier that everyone loves and dealt with for all these years because of this bad service, and, and we're turning our backs on them, and we got to go in this direction, right? Right. So I have to confess, the, the human resource part's been going pretty well. I'm having trouble with arrows in the other directions because the supply chain has challenges. It's you know, the, uh, you know, and then how are we going to sell all these to the customer? Because mm -hmm. uh, some of them are going to be uh, will present some differences, particularly the ones we bring in house, and then the, the new colorized line will be a brand new way of tinting uh, metals. That we're going to have to convince people. So I got a lot of worries <laughs> externally. Internally, right. we're doing okay, but I'm seeing value in uh, these benefits. And, and so we're the employees, or we're the employees. Okay, because so you need. Remember, side. you can do it in all yeah. four directions. Well, okay, but I got I got my big worries in other directions, but on the employee side. Beautiful. We're the employees. We're all going to pay attention yeah, and comment. All good. Benefits. I'm saying uh, company profitability will rise and personal employee income will rise if we can increase value in our company with this new line. Uh, if we don't change, we could fall back into a Me Too commodity line of products because people are copying us. And if we never develop new stuff and freshen our portfolio, we'll be that company that's just like those guys. We won't be the innovators, right? And that's a terrible risk. And another uh, downside then would be low profitability. If we go into the commodity world where there are three of us making the same damn thing, it's an auction. So always make sure your line is fresh is what we've always believed, but we've been hit with a critical mass of uh, need for change. We're, we're really probably going to uh, change what we sell and promote and offer people two-thirds probably. Uh, you know, big change. So we've got to do it. What do you all think, employees? Feedback. I like higher personal income. That sounds good. I'm sort of trusting that you're going to share your increased profitability in that way. So trusting more skeptical. <laughs> wondering. Wondering. A little time connection. Deals tied to the new color ring? Oh, yeah. That's what it's good, right? Showing the pipeline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Product, small type one, new product, big type. <laughs> All right. Anyone? Any other comments? Please, please. Uh, so, now that I've had my second cup of coffee, what is it? One hundred percent constructive. Positively passionate. Compassionate. Where is the passion? Your website. You created a, a fake country called Contrary. If you have a mission statement, you can probably cite it to memory. 
And while financial success, personally and corporately, is in there somewhere, I feel like the big piece is missing in terms of the benefits of change. We even did it in your introduction today. Talk about all the things that you know your stainless products do, save energy and long lasting, all these kinds of things. But you like Jim, you're so passionate about your company that you do it in terms of benefits of change. Maybe you feel like the employees already get that. I think they do. Like it's the customers I'm worried about, and making sure the supply chains and they turn it up right. You know, I mean, just being in the group with you for a number of years and hearing you present a number of times like this, something that lays on all of you. So if if what I heard your comment was is you thought there could be a little more passion, a little more bigger, like, and we're going to talk about this. What are we doing for the world? What's the quest? See what I mean? We're going to we're going to amp this up a bit to beyond because every change says we're going to do it to make more money, and you're going to after the fifth time they've heard that story. So I find deeper and higher in this pitch you're making is more effective. Higher is, what are we doing for the world? What are we doing for the industry? What are we doing for the customers that will then reflect back on you? And then deeper, and this one's real important, so granularly, what's in it for us employees? So is this going to be, you know, personally, personally, uh, is it going to be more fun to have all these colors? Is it going to be easier to, to, to do sandy? Is it going to be the, almost the mechanics? Because that's where they're coming from. They're coming from, you know, what, to make my job easier, make it more exciting, <coughs> make it more, you know, whatever. Um, so if we can hit the granular for employees and a little more of the, of the quest and the, and the passion, that packages what you you had, which was excellent, even more. It amps it up. Jim, I'm going to take a step back because you know, knowing Jim's business for kind of a long time, I think he's got a big story. You know, save the planet is not only part of the story, but part of the engineering of the product. So there's data that shows if you use these these roofing products that you will save the planet. The challenge is that. That takes a hundred years, and owners think in a much shorter time frame. So it's been connecting the dots to right. the big passionate picture and the why spend money now. Um, that I think is more of a challenge for Jim. Right? And I agree with you. I think your employees are bought in. It's the customers that are more of a challenge to get them across. Yeah. Citizens are contrarian. Isn't that what you want? Can I can I take can I take a uh, contrarian employee point of view? Yeah. I'm your employee. You're scaring the shit out of me because you're you're you know, we've got we've been doing pretty well with this product. It's, you know we know it works. We've got all the scientific background, and now you're saying we're going to make a right turn and move in a whole, basically a different direction. You're scaring the hell out of me. Yeah, well, look, look. isn't the truth that you've come off a couple of tough years? Oh yeah. So isn't the story we've come up with off a couple of tough years and I never want that to happen again? We got to raise our game and let's go. Yeah. So that's part of this pitch well, too. So you too, to your point, Nino, our employees are pretty scared. <laughs> <laughs> and I just say we're right. more. <laughs> Damn, I'm good at the negative. 
in the real world. And that, you know, I use that as a technique whenever we're going through a rough time. It's a great time to say, we went through this rough time. Let's never go through this again. Here's what we need to do. Yeah, but, but part of the issue from an employee point of view is that business is coming back. Your regular business well, is and, coming, and see, coming I don't back. I want them to rest with that. I no, no, I understand that. Yeah. But, but, you know, suddenly, they're, they're, I mean, suddenly as your employee... I'm able to take a deep breath and say, okay, we're coming out of it. And now you're saying, we're going to make this change. Bob's got a point? Yeah, I, you know, I just think I'm on the employee level, and, and Jim, you said two different things, one of which is, I think, the right thing. You said, okay. will this make my job easier? That's the wrong thing. Will it make my job more exciting? Because I do believe everyone yearns for mastery of something. And I think... The one thing to do to get them committed, excited, engaged is to see what new skills are going to be required of them to mm-hmm. make this mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Because in that is their personal which I think will excite you. know, that gets you to the way. Because that will take it to a place that you can't even see. You know, I mean, that's they'll take it somewhere else, you know. Yeah. But, and then, so I think that's maybe something that think about or camp on a little bit in terms of messaging to the people. Because I am kind of with Dick, you know, the, the very first instinct is, hey, things are kind of going good now, you know, let's just kind of ride. And you don't want that. You want to say, hey, let's move out now. Um, so I would just try to, how can you engage them in doing something that you make them better? This is something that will make you better. You know, yeah. broader skill set. Right. No, there's been some. There's some discomfort. And whoa, 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 whoa. how are we going to test this stuff? How are we going to prove it works? How are we going to? Whoa, whoa, whoa. And yeah, I'm worried about all that same stuff. <laughs> Beautiful. So you you actually want to cover that to get to the yeah. the, the very next step. Yeah. The second half is now. Here's how we're going to do this. Here's the strategy. Here's how we're going to test it. Here's how we're going to take the risks out. That, that's the very next conversation. But what we're trying to do is create the why before you give them the what. They want to hear why we got to do this if it's new. Um, the easier part, like that comes from my process experience. A lot of processes are frustrating for employees to do. So if you can remove the frustration, it makes it easier. It makes life a little easier. But the new skills one and, the, and their new value uh, is, is power, very powerful, super powerful. That's all for his point. Because it ties to what Bob said. I read a book called Advice for Action. And there's a quote in there that kind of has impacted me and it ties in. I like to know the group stuff. But the guy says this, the foundation for persistent execution is bottom up. A discipline execution of specific projects, tasks, and goals. And I think his point was, it's hard. And I, I see this in our business. A broad loyalty to, organiza- to the organization is difficult to maintain. It ties in with Bob said a little bit. In other words... You know, people get skeptical of the broad mission. So it loses its meaning down at the level of the person running the courts. And, exactly right. You know, and so it ties in with Bob's of like putting it in terms of, and this is really effective because it's pounded in their head vision, mission. And, you know, it trivial, that gets trivialized over time. Exactly. You're exactly right. we got to take it down to their level. What are they going to get? What's in it for them? Whip it. And granular, and then get them with the passion up here. Where it's a combination of two, and we got to do the positive. And there's got to be a little discomfort because they won't change otherwise. The key is using it as a spice in the tomato sauce, and not too much. What's that mean? 
You want to, the spices, you know, we got to have some, some little jolt there of, of the negative. Now, and, I'll, and I'll give you the formula for it. If you're running well, like it sounds like you are, I'm going to cover it later, but I'll do it now. 80% of the words should be the positive, what the benefits are. 20% should be consequences. Now, what do you think they remember, though? Consequences. So we're going to package it in 80% positive. Now, if things are running rough, I mean rough, rough, you might want to go 50-50. And if it's running on vapors and the bank is sending the turnaround guy, and I know a bunch of them, right? And I've run a conference called Corporate Turnaround. Guess what they use? 2080. <laughs> You know, they're going to walk in and say half of you are going to be gone half the products are gone we're going to get down and we're going to do this in two months and you're either with me or against me and let's you know we're going for it but that's the extreme case in the normal business case 80 positive 20 but that it's we need that little jolt and then to embrace the, the benefits it's psychology please I agree with you show up in a turnaround bad situation show them death they'll accept sickness <laughs> <laughs> but with, with the way um, Jim presents it, I think he is very authentic, and I think he does have that compelling reason to change. It's difficult to articulate that in a two-minute overview of this meeting. Sure. Um, but meeting his people, visiting his place a couple of times with this um, uh, meeting, so forth and so on, I think he nails it on that bad part. It's the last six inches that always will get you in trouble. And it's what's more in it for the employees? Why is the reason? What does it mean for me? You spend a little bit more time on that. I think it's going to help in the execution. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that, this, this aspect's revealing to me. Two things. One, I'm such a cheerleader, I tend not to live in the negative because I've never felt there's a lot of value in that. I've got a new appreciation for how to articulate negative, right? In a constructive so, so that's positive way. First Beautiful. And the other one is, is, is Dan's point, is that sometimes I get caught up in the rah-rah, here's what we're doing, everybody's on board, right? And uh, all smiles, I walk out, and then they're going, oh my God. <laughs> that's reality. Yeah. I, I haven't really maybe got to every employee with how to, you know, why this is really good for them individually, personally, and make sure the whole team's here. Now, I got, it, it should be hard to do in my company because we're small. Um, but uh, And then I guess to an extent we've been cheating because uh, you know our company's 14 years old, so we don't have, some of you guys have long-standing companies and it's so, so much more difficult to change cultures that have been established for so long. And so... I, I guess uh, I guess I feel for that. I'm grateful, in my case, that I don't have to take a hundred-year-old company and turn it upside down. I tried that before. That was my job at the old place. <laughs> Let me tell you that. 
talk about putting your head against the wall. That's uh, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. Beautiful. Great. So I, I thank you so much for volunteering. That was a perfect example. It brought out a number of different points. You were all superb as quote employees in your feedback. And so I'm going to now go circle back a little, go through a couple, just one last concept. We'll get into the process a little more deeper. And by the way, all the things you mentioned, I got tools for you to solve the ones you also mentioned along the way there, Jim. Hey, Jim. Yes, please. So I'm just, I don't know if you have it later. I'd love to hear you speak about how, how culture eats strategy. Like, like that, you know, you've got a hundred year old culture of certain ways of doing things. So there's just certain strategies you can't achieve before you change the culture. Right. I'm going to cover that. It's one of the steps, it's one of the keys. Beautiful. So here's, in a real big picture, before we get into the nine steps. This is just to give you a feel for, um, and, again, and it really comes back to the point you just mentioned, you know, you feel like everyone's got it, and you then go back, and what happened? So, we start here at Ground Zero, and you present this new thing, and everyone says, hey, this sound makes sense, and by the way, your point about if we don't do it, and we fall behind, and, I mean, that is the pitch, the commodity thing, and we're stuck in this, and it's going to be ugly, you're going to have to work twice as hard. Just to keep even if, if we don't have a, a competitive advantage. So that's the, that's, that's the consequences. And then they go, oh, but you want me to change the way I do my work? <laughs> so they start denying it, just as he started to intimate there, to the point where outright resistance occurs. And they're at, we're actually going backwards now. We're actually going backwards. So your job is to anticipate this will happen on any change. Any change. I don't care how good you think it is. For example, I had one company, they said, we were doing so great, we're going to give a 10% bonus to everybody next month. 10% annual bonus. Some people complained. What do you think What do you think one of the complaints might have been? Why one at 20 why not, why not 20 if we're doing so great? What's another you think? I work harder than he does. That's the big one. You want to give him? I'm working twice as hard. Why didn't I get 20 and he get nothing? So if you're giving money away and people are going to resist. So I don't know what else to do, you know? So we have to anticipate this again to explore the benefits and consequences and then start performing. And that is, by the way, the old change model, teamwork model. Um, and then one of my clients said, Jim, we got to go be performing. we got to go to soaring. And so I added that to this. So what we want to do then is anticipating this trough, we want to flatten it out here. We got to be prepared for it. We got to go in with our guns loaded so that we can smooth out this gigantic dish ahead of time. What I don't want you to do, though, is think in terms of the change fantasy path, I call it, which is that one that this is just going to just fly and take off, even if you're giving money away, because that's not reality. So this is reality. It's probably going to take a little while to get through it, and then we go on the upstream. So. The three phases. Phase one, we're going to get a crystal clear the vision and plan and case for change, which we started to play with, as well as think ahead about the culture and where we can get some quick wins to get some momentum. That's all packed into phase one. 
phase two, and we're going to go through all these. You don't have to write, take notes. In fact, I even have a, at the end, I give out, not in the beginning. This is the first time I've ever done this on this particular Vistage program. I usually give it only to clients, but I have a one-page summary of the entire thing. Here's the nine steps, and here are all the sub-steps. So all you need is this piece of paper when you're done. It changes everything. What is there? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, phase two, then. <laughs> no, then everyone puts away the So I'm not that stupid. So, phase two is we launch. And we communicate multiple times, <laughs> Lorianne, as you said, right? And multiple ways to all the different audiences and start the implementation. And that, that's where usually most people go, ah, let's go on to the next one. No, you need to keep solidifying, anchoring, and spreading the change, or it will regress. John, how long do these phases take? Great question. This, this process, with all of its nine steps and all the little sub-steps, in which you, if you choose to take some, can be anywhere from a day to a year to two years. It's completely scalable depending on the magnitude of the change you're doing. So a new procedure of any significance should ideally go through these steps in a couple of hours. A major new strategy like you're talking about shift everything, it affects the company. That's going to take a while. That could take some months, many months over time. And then to get all the way through here, here in maybe the second year still trying to keep it going. So it's it's completely scalable process, depending on the complexity, magnitude, number of pieces, how many different changes. Does that answer? Beautiful. Great. So those are the three phases. Um, now this is the more typical path. We launch it prematurely, not 100% clear, not thinking through the culture, not thinking through the taste for change, because it sounds so good to me, how could they not want to do it? Right? I know, I've been there, I've made all the mistakes, by the way. Um, and then, sputtering, uh-oh, it's not working so good, running low on fuel, and then it starts to go, and you're fighting fires. Now you spend a huge amount of time trying to get the resistors to do it, and you can't figure out why they're not, and it, it just sucks up all your time, which you could be using more productively for other things, and like I said, 50% outright crash and burn, another 30% linger, and maybe that 20% are successful when most of these steps are, are undertaken. And, and uh, trust me, I am not perfect on any of this myself. If I'm going to give you an example, um, in terms of where I didn't execute and I could have. About 10 years ago, I, I was coming out of uh, the University of Wisconsin Exec Ed Center. I teach uh, programs there, Lean Six Sigma, Strategy, whatever. And I'm, I have to catch a plane uh, to my next uh, gig, if you will, a real important one. And taxi doesn't show up. And so I go back inside. I start getting get close here. And it's the last plane out. They call another taxi, doesn't show up. So what do I do? I'm desperate. I take a $50 bill out of my wallet, I go in the middle of the street with my luggage, and I stand like this. <laughs> Some kid in a VW with the back seat loaded with who knows what, 
pulled over, and I said, can you take me to the airport? 20 minutes, 50 bucks. And Uber is foreign, right? This is 10 years ago. No, you're right. You're, you're going on the right path here. 10 years ago, I, he takes me, and I got my luggage in my lap. We get there, I make the plane by five minutes. I'm on the plane, I finally have a cocktail, and I go, damn, what a great business. I should get all the college kids... That's my, my version. All the college kids with cars to just take out the taxis, right? Now, I wasn't thinking software and hardware. The iPhone, you know, wasn't even out yet, right? And I, so I go to an attorney, and I say, what would it take to do this? He said, you want to fight the taxi unions? Are you crazy? He says, you got a million dollars if you want to do three or four cities? I said, you're right. I'll go do something else. <laughs> I read the paper two days ago. Five years. $50 billion valuation. I didn't do it. <laughs> so I just want to confess, and I got a few others like that. Ideas are cheap. So, by the way, notice most innovation comes from pain. And if you can catch the pain and say, how many other people have this? That's where most innovation comes from. So, but that's the other model. Let's, here's the nine steps. So I'm going to take you through them super fast. And then we'll go step by step, piece by piece. First one we've already talked about, create a case for change. And a crystal clear vision and crystal clear strategy, actually. The vision is only a small piece. That's what exactly is the company doing or what is involved in this change, whatever it is. Then... We prioritize what I call breakthrough opportunity areas. Now, I use that term two ways. The breakthrough opportunity areas on my other presentation was what are the opportunities in the industry that if you could jump on them, you can win. Here is we got to break through the status quo, the inertia, that the fact that people don't want to change. So we want to identify where we can get some really quick, visible wins and let them do the talking not us. So I'll give you tools for that. Then we do have to look at the culture because if you are going to change a strategy, often there is definitely elements of either the culture, philosophy, or behaviors. And by the way, culture is a great thing, but if you don't, you have to take it down to the, what do you exactly want me to do differently? Behavior level. And it has to be explained. So I'll give you a little simple exercise or tool for that. This is all in preparation. We haven't done anything. This is all behind the scenes with your team. Then we finally move into the launch. First thing is you launch it, communicate it, crystal clearly, multiple ways. I'll give you a long list of ways to do it. <clears throat> and then I recommend you cascade the communication down layer by layer. Because research psychologists again have found that employees want to hear about any new change or strategy from two people. Who do you think they are? Yes. The top guy and their direct supervisor. Exactly. Exactly. So when they don't hear from they hear they hear from the top person, that's one thing. But when as you say you then turn around but your middle management, and I don't care if you have four employees or you have 400, you know, 4,000 employees, that middle management is the one that's going to cut you off at the knees. Because they're going to go back and say, okay, if you, we've all done this. If we ever worked for any size of little company, uh, we'll wait this one out. 
or what the heck are they thinking? Or they never ask me for my opinion, etc., etc. So this is this, of course, in reality. Okay. So we cascade it down. Now we're not home free. <laughs> Again, we're only maybe at the 50-yard line. Then we have to overcome all the resistances from everybody. And I'll give you a tool. I mentioned it very, very briefly in my last presentation. We'll go through and actually practice it today. Notice uh, the brown ones are the ones that are most not done. (laughs) And then we enable and empower flexible action. So what does that mean? You've got to give them resources to do it. You've got to create time if you want them to do something different from where they didn't have time before, so they've got to drop something else. You've got to maybe train them if they don't have the skills. Bob, as you were saying, the new skills, right? You got to tr- whatever it is, and we finally have some action. Then, again, that's where often we walk away to the next one. The real key is keeping it going. So we have to celebrate, reinforce, reward results. The real key one, the most powerful one, is the word reinforce. Positive reinforcement, and I'll give you some tips on that. Because we kind of all know about rewarding, that's the money and the, and the celebrations, which there's not enough of in companies. But the positive reinforcement is the key, that one right there. So we're keeping it going, and then at that point, the ones who we selected early on are hopefully now being successful, and we use them to convince the rest to do it this way. And, and they can explain personally, they're with it, what they got out of it. And you roll it out, spread best practices through other units, divisions, whatever. And then if you're lucky, you get to level nine. Level nine, or step nine, the, the number one symptom that you've arrived there is employees say, that was cool, what's next? when they're asking you for the next change because that was such a great experience and they see the visible reward up and down. So that's the nine steps in a nutshell. Okay, got the kind of the big picture. Now we're going to go through each one, practice each step, break it down where necessary. And then you can tell me when you want to take a break. So when do we finish today? Because we started a little earlier than normal. Whenever you're done, 11.30, quarter to 12. Okay, beautiful. Um, so, step one, we, we started it when the computer was uh, acting up. Typically, you would assemble uh, an execution, excellence, or whatever you want to call it, your change team. And again, this, by the way, <coughs> we'll, we'll talk strategy because, you know, you're primarily CEOs here, right, or COOs. And, but this would work, this works in any level. I mean, it could be a sales, a new sales approach that we're going to use for just the sales group or a new customer service approach or new manufacturing approach where it really isn't impacting the rest of the organization. So it's scalable uh, at all levels. Uh, and that team would be at the appropriate level of where the change is coming from. We do an overall case for change, and that's what you did. I thought, I did, I thought Jimmy did superb. We don't change. This is what's going to happen strategically. But then we got to go more granular. we got to tailor it for every stakeholder group in the company and get granular as to what's in it for them. And then, once we've got the, the why understood, then we go and make sure that our plan is, is clear and simple. 
And my test for that is I call it the 12 year old test. And we'll practice this in a little bit. Can you present the very simple, you know, the very simple, the, the mission, vision, and the, the strategies? What were you going to do different so that a 12 year old could understand it? I don't care how technical you are. I've done this at Intel, <laughs> HP, hugely complex technologies, uh, oil companies. you got to make it simple or people aren't going to get it. And the 12-year-old isn't your 12-year-old. Because they hear you occasionally complaining about your business. You go home and you try to explain it to your next-door neighbor's 12-year-old. And if they say, that makes sense, I can see how you will win... You got yourself a good strategy. <laughs> or no, the strategy could be great. You now have a clear strategy. Because if the 12-year-olds don't understand it, your VPs won't understand it. Scary, but true. So that's the uh, your checklist, if you will. So we're going to do the case for change. Ideally, it's not this one. Catherine, I have everyone stop what they're doing. <laughs> You can wait and crash and burn. That, like you said, becomes very visible, Randy, right? We don't want to necessarily do that. So, we've already covered this one. We got ahead. Oh, just what? It I don't look like a Randy. A kid sitting from here. Oh, that's right. You're new. I look like a pizza maker. I did sound right because I heard you mention the name. So, back to where we were talking about earlier, just to reinforce. Yes, please. Um. You keep saying clear, 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 clear. What, you know, most of the change we deal with is, you know, good ideas rarely emerge fully formed. It's like in the real world you're dealing with changes. You know, we all like cohesive stories, which leads us to want to do everything in a nice, clear package with a bow wrapped around it. Most of the issues we have are intractable, vague, and it's 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 difficult to package it up neatly. And if you've been around a long time and you've tried to package things up neatly and then you take your first couple steps and people realize that you were full of shit and that you were just like making stuff up, you made it much clearer than it actually was and all of a sudden people get jaded. You know, like I've been doing this 25 years so people are on to... So out of the box it's kind of... And I get clarity is relative and you can make something that's ambiguous. You can take a part of it and make it crystal clear. But but the reality is you take a couple steps and then boom, you realize everything is much different than you anticipated. It's kind of like you're familiar with the lean startup concept, which is like a bottom-up approach to to development and new strategy, Mm -hmm. which kind of is different. You're not really... And the whole idea of, you know, you create this crystal clear vision and then you lay out this nice action plan and you give it to, mm-hmm. you know, you do it by segments and everything. And then you take your first couple of steps and reality hits and it's totally different and what you thought would work didn't work and you have to adjust and adapt quickly and that's more like the real world. I agree with you 100%. In fact, all strategies should be initially experiments when implemented. And you probably want to implement two or three different versions of the same new strategy simultaneously to see which one will work. But my point is you should be able to clearly explain what those three or four are in simple terminology. Realizing it's not so, it's not a, that's the strategy. That's the strategy. (laughs) That's the strategy. (laughs) 
Yeah. All right. So, so you're absolutely right. But the key, but if it's completely confusing, it's real hard for people to implement or even know where are we now and which one are we on. So you're right. You need that flexibility, that flex appeal. <laughs> As you go through it, I think, I mean, you know, you have a great point. You can, you can have a very clear idea, <laughs> and if the plan is feasible, then you know, let's get to meet too much resistance. But I think, you know, we talk about the execution excellence team, right? There's a team of people that really know the reality, and that would be part of developing the plan. It's just not as, you know. Well, I think that really leads to the execution to me. Although at this point when you're looking at you need to make that live before you make the goal, before you make the plan. Because if you just go, and this is the point, I think, you know, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you give the, here's the vision, and then people dig in and they see the reality as like, you know, not considered or not clear or really challenging, then it's going to bounce off. I'm going to look. I think my, my tactic is maybe. Maybe I'm full of shit, but my fact is, you know, you gotta get the culture not to be twelve-year-olds. You gotta get them not to be twelve-year-olds. Oh, you, know, you gotta yeah. get them to realize that hey, the world's complex, things are ambiguous, real change occurs, and it's it's bottom up. It's a lot of adapting. You could live on the edge of discomfort, get used to it. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just, I'm, I didn't mean to act like a 12 year old. I wanted to, to be comprehended, comprehendable by one. I get it. Yeah. I get what you're saying. You know what would be, okay, how about this? That's really a thing. When you get tested, right. it's like, you know, it, it's not real. So anyway, I, I don't want to take you off track. I mean, I'll, well, I, no, I think it's a perfect example, and I think we can take it. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. Right. It's just the crystal clear thing, in, in my experience, becomes like, you know, I don't know. Too, That's crystal too, clear. Too top, too top down, you know, idealistic. It doesn't really... Well, so we're going to... <laughs> well, maybe, maybe what you're going to find here is a different approach. We're gonna we're gonna work out all that details out yeah. it, later on in the process. But the, the key is you gotta at least start with something people can understand. Yeah, right, okay. Then we're gonna go deeper so they their understanding is unbelievably deep. But but we gotta at least start with something they can chew on yeah. and then so that's where we're coming from. But later at the end, time permitting, you know, I would love to have you select your most ambiguous, confusing strategy. And tell us about it, and maybe we can help you clarify. It. Okay. All right. Yep. I love real. So I like your real yep. stuff to work yep. with, rather than right. I can give you a thousand examples. I'll give you some, but your real ones make make are so much more uh, powerful. So we already covered that. So here's uh, what one executive told me. He said, after honoring the past, and I might mention you want to honor the past, no matter how screwed up it is. Because the, these are the people that have been doing it that way, right? You want to honor the past first. Then you want to make the status quo more dangerous and less attractive than leaping into the unknown. So again, it's past was the, perfect for what we had at that time, but now we got to move forward. So being an engineer, I have a couple engineering degrees in MBA. I got to put things in formulas for me to figure out. So V is vision. Plus BOC is the benefits of the change. Plus CONC is the consequences of not changing. Should be three times 
more powerful than all of the resistances you could possibly think of. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. So we really have to stack the deck to make this work. So here's a little form. You started with the employees one down here. But for the change you're talking about, you could go back and say, okay, as part of the benefits message, what's in it for the world? So, in fact, in your mission statements and all that, I really believe if you want to do anything to them, shorten them up, tighten them up, and put a little more of this into them. What are you doing for the world? What's a little more of the heart? And if you can do that, how are your chemicals helping the end users? Right? And what's it doing for the world? See, that's that quest thing before we get down into the nitty gritty. Um, and then, or the industry. It's going to make the industry. It's going to, these windows are going to be phenomenal with the new colors and, you know, and this new technology. I've worked in window wall and all the rest of that. And so it's going to be so much better for the, the occupants of the buildings and savings to the, the, to the building owners and all that good stuff. So that's your industry and your customers. But the one that's most often not done is the employee one we talked about. And that's the one you really have to go the most detailed on. Okay? And then the consequence is the same. You gotta do a little flip side. So we got that. Now we shift to the clarity part. You know? Okay? So the typical plan in most companies of all sizes, and I've worked in 23 countries, so I've seen them all, right? um, is the CEO is thinking about this strategy continuously. It's crystal clear to you. It's so clear you have to wear sunglasses. It's so bright in your eyes. Next level down. Real clear, a couple little wisp of clouds like we have today out there. Middle management, partly cloudy. They understand maybe half of what this strategy is. You go down a little further in the organization and they know that you and your top team went off site for two days or whatever, one day, two days, and you're coming back all pumped up on some new strategy, which means change. There is lightning and thunder on the horizon. And then lastly, the frontline employees don't have a clue. Would you agree or disagree in, not your organizations, of course, but others? <laughs> yeah, okay, so what we need is that virtually everyone has to wear sunglasses. I actually had one CEO in Saudi Arabia have sunglasses made with the vision statement on it. And that's why I got the idea that it's silly, uh, silly exhibit. So the standard, I'm not going to go through planning mechanics of how to write a plan. Uh, you, I mean, that's 101 stuff. You see that. But the basic format is provided to you. The definitions, the terms are on the next slide. But you'll notice what I recommend is not starting with your mission, vision, values. You start with a paragraph or a, se a sentence, a paragraph, maybe a full page of that case for change. Why do we need this new strategy? And what's in it for the world and the employees? In a short form. Then, mission, vision, values, your brand positioning, your, your breakthrough stretch goal, and then really the meat of it down here is the major strategies. What's the five, typically maximum, single sentence things that describe what you're going to do different? Whether it's for the whole company, or again, a new marketing plan, again, or an opera process change, 
there's still three or four or five elements that need to be crystal clear in what's going to be done differently, including that experimentation part we talked about. So a quick little exercise is um, take think of the one you're working on and fill this out. I'm just going to hit a couple of the key ones. So what's the purpose of it in one sense? What is the picture of it executed properly? What is it going to look like when you get there? That to me is what a vision is. It's not some slogan. It's a picture of what it's going to look like. Then, what are the three, four, five single sentence, in this case, real abbreviated, just maybe a couple words. You don't have to be Shakespearean in this exercise. Of how you're going to get from where we are today to that picture. And then how long is it going to take? Is this a six months, one year, two year, three year? And if you could, that's your speech in terms of now what the plan is, given we've done the uh, case for change. So take a, a two minutes to write this, please. I'd like a new volunteer on every one of these if possible. Um, please uh, present what uh, you know these these four things for your uh, either change or new strategy and then the rest of you again take the role of the employees and do you understand it how clear is it going back to that clarity part who'd like to uh, okay let's not be shy here we get the most value out of you know trying it out and Henry. working them I'll give it a shot great thank you what I'm attempting to do is to uh, create, I'll use the word electronics, communication, um, to have communications improve between salons and share ideas between salons, recognize great work that is being done in the salons, and also use that uh, great work to communicate it through marketing uh, and social media such as Instagram. The internal communication, the concept would be to use it the, on a Facebook uh, private group uh, situation for, for communicating between salons and however communicating would work. The idea being is, is that the uh, individual stylist or team member, uh, their work would be recognized by others and that would increase the amount of clientele that uh, they'll be able to service, and of course, the result is all increase their paycheck. That's the basic uh, concept. And starting, wanted to get that across. I tried about two years ago to get it off, off the ground. We bought cameras for every salon. Unfortunately, nobody used the cameras, and that failed. But I think we have a better person in marketing that could do a better job for us right now that does it a lot better on the, the social media side that can help to put this across and I'm trying to, to overcome resistance and to be able to communicate that to the benefits of all the people what that would mean to them. That's what I'm trying to accomplish. I hope I communicated that well. Feedback from like if you were an employee you heard that. Clear? Not clear? Whatever. Any, any impression whatsoever? Well, I'll just say clear enough, Henry, but uh, gee, I didn't use the, I'm just playing a role here. I'm, I'm, I didn't take any pictures because, you know, I just wasn't sure how to go about it. And, yeah, I get the idea of it, you know, 
Why is that my job? Okay, cool. Could that happen? Uh, why is it your job? Because it'll, it, it, what it will do is increase the clientele that you're servicing, and needless to say, increase your paycheck, and also other people will recognize the great work that you do do. Okay. Any other thoughts? Yeah, that's that's very difficult. We'll talk about that when we hit the resistances. Yeah, I have enough work already. I have enough clients now. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Boss, I get it. I took all the pictures. I thought it was going to be a compare and share. Just turned into a compare and share. No one else is doing anything on this thing. You know, so I feel like I'm doing all the extra effort. And, and there's really shitty execution in the salons. What are you going to do about that? You don't have to respond to these. <laughs> <laughs> This is why it's so hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. I think it's much harder than inventing the winning strategies, which is not easy. I got another one. Here we go again. Here we go again. I got another two. I, I got my peeps. I got my clientele. I'm not sure I want them looking at a lot of other ideas out there. You know, I want them coming back to me. Right. No, I don't want to see the competition. Right. <laughs> mm, good. So, you get the hang of this? It sounds logical. Right. It sounds beautiful. It makes so much sense. At the granular level, this is what we're going to run into. Yeah. So we got to smoke this out. We're not going to do that until step five. But we got to be anticipating this is what we're going to run into. A veritable brick wall. And if we don't, we just go, hey, it's been two years and nothing happened. Thank you for volunteering. Right? For both volunteers. See, I can tell stories all day, but this yeah, is no, reality. You're on the right track with what this fire to do. And, you know, people have the cameras now, so they don't, uh, they don't need some external camera, so, uh, you know, go. <laughs> yeah, positive comment on codex. <laughs> 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 well, we have, we, have, we have a couple people successfully doing it, and hopefully that'll be a good start. We'll see. Give them bonuses. Right. There you oh, go. There you go. Hey, we, 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 I wanted to buy cameras, but our, I was willing to buy a camera, an iPhone for every salon, but our people told me that they would want, they, they would not take the time to go away from the styling station to go to the desk to get the camera and go back. If they use their own phone, they'll do it. Yeah. So I'm changing the social media policy to allow them to use your iPhones to do that. Yeah. Ah. Listen to me, you know, what are the unintentional consequences of that? Uh, that's going to be a risk. So that will also address yeah. in step five, the risks as as well as the concerns and all that we got it we've got to uh, get out on the table and deal with. Beautiful. Beautiful. Alright, so um, Step two. Um, I'm gonna, well, let me give you let me give you one on the clarity. Let me give you one on the top team that kind of summarizes step one. Let's go back to that one there. Before we go, um, um, I one of my clients in the last year, vicious company uh, called Rock Step uh, Capital down in Texas uh, in Houston, and um, as a result of a session, uh, the CEO 
that he has nine employees. And what they do is they search the country and they find underperforming small town shopping centers. And then they raise capital. They have some of their own. They raise some capital. Buy them. He's an operator kind of guy. Turn them. After a couple of years, spin them off. 15% returns on average. He's popping for his investors. And so he said, so we sat down and said, well, because I need a strategic plan, and then we got to work on some of this, because I'm stuck. I'm stuck at like two deals a year, and I want to go to five or ten. So really came down to defining crystal clear what the four strategies were. Number one, and we did this over breakfast. Okay, just him. He goes, I don't want to involve my employees. I just want, let's get this down first. So number one was, well, we got to uh, raise capital. Number two, which we're not very good at. And the website proved it because it was total technical talk and nothing to do with any benefits for anybody investing. It was buried. Number two, then we got to find the properties. One in a thousand. The needles and haystacks. And then number three, we got to operate them, which he knew how to do, so he doesn't need help in that. And then number four is we then sell them. And at the end, but there's one and two was the crystal, the, the most difficult ones. So over a series of two-hour telephone consultations, we developed the full plan that I showed you, right? And we redid his website and his pitch to investors. Then he said, Jim, I'll, you know, thanks a lot, we're done. And I said, fine. Three months later, he calls up and he says, Jim, uh, have you ever heard about this book called The Double Double? And a lot of Vistage groups are reading this. Um, it's uh, uh, double your pro- uh, revenue and profit in three years. He goes, Jim, we just did a triple-triple. I go, what the hell is a triple-triple? We tripled the amount of money we raised for the year in three months. I go, that's pretty cool. He goes, now we got to go to the number two. <laughs> now I got too much money. <laughs> now we got to find properties. And he goes, I'm the one who finds the properties. My other eight employees do all the other work. He goes, I can't do it all myself. So I said, now we have to bring in your employees. So we did and did it one day, and we went around and laid out the process, figured out how to automate the steps, and he wanted everyone to have a role, some role in this, so we're all in it together. And then that executed and it went phenomenal, and then they're tripling again or something. But so in stages, start with planning by a telephone. Was all was always needed in this case, but eventually you had to bring the team in. So it doesn't have to be that complex to get the crystal clear clarity. So the next step for you is to find the breakthrough opportunity areas. What it comes down to is where can you get the fastest and ideally biggest, but biggest is secondary, the quickest results to show that. Somebody's using this and it's working and they're, they doubled their, their number of uh, customers. Whatever the results is we're trying to pitch. Number two, so we're not going to start with the resistors. We're going to start with who is ready, willing, and able. It only might be 10% or whatever of the total population because it's easier to focus on them than to try to get everybody to do it, particularly when half of them are resisting right after your face. Again, tests and pilot projects. You want to test, test, test to find the best way before you roll anything out. And then 
sometimes you must you want to go through transition states it's called in the change leadership change management approach where you go level one then you add another technology or level two you know so you might want to lay those out <clears throat> but the real key is, is this remember you can fool some of the people all of the time those are the people we want to concentrate on. <laughs> you want to start with the gullible ones. <laughs> the ones who are saying, yeah, I'll try something new. It sounds silly, but they, you know, this, is the, this is what you need. So who is ready, willing, and able? So they want to do it. They're willing to do it. And they, have, they already have most of the skills. So if we're trying to do a new sales approach, <laughs> that's the one we want. We don't start with the whole sales force. And as opposed to trying to do the unready, unwilling, and unable. This is not rocket science, this piece, but it makes the difference. Because if we fail, now we're not actually doing it yet. Remember, that's step four. We're just planning. So we might pick one salon with three or two of the best ones who would say, this is really cool, I love new technology, I love Facebook, I love Instagram, and I think this would be neat, and I need another 20% more people uh, for customers. That's where we start. And then when they're successful, we don't sell everybody. We video them <laughs> telling how great this is and send it around to all the other salons. So you become facilitator once you get this thing launched. That's critical. That is critical. Right? Absolutely critical. Beautiful. I believe the role was see your role the facilitator of all the, the greatness that's got to come out. You can't invent everything or make it all happen. So, really simple thing, most often, usually not done. So, your next little exercise for the one you're working on. What do you start with? And then who would, who is ready, willing, and able? And then how can we make sure it's visible results that they get? Or just new process gets or whatever it might be. Take about a minute to fill that out, please. 20% is with you, and the 20% is with you is at the site level, so it's disconnected from the leadership of the organization. So the strategy is actually a full communication audit all of the communication mechanisms in the organization, you know, how we get you on benefits, how we employ you, how we orient you, how we tell you about a change that is happening in the company. Um, the, the setback with it is the getting the folks, the, the leadership really, to see it as necessary because we have been successful with things the way we do, but the world is changing and that success is, is changing. Um, the objective is to reduce turnover, um, to increase engagement at the hourly level so that there is a two-way dialogue as opposed to everybody above me is just supervision or management. So the, what I'm what I, listening today, what I have concluded is we, we have the leadership at the site level on board with this it's my own direct reports who are not. Wow. Now that, that, and that falls on me because I realized just listening today that I kind of stepped over them because they always are on board with these things. But because we're, we're locked in a certain way of doing things and these kinds of changes will be a Herculean amount of work to implement, they're just thinking I'm already creating work, which they are. So I, I have to kind of regroup that. 
But what I would do is lay out the process, get a group together, lay out the process again um, as we structure it with Paul in terms of the why and what, how we're going to gather the data to so help us understand how we change these structures in the organization. Um, I would start with uh, a community that we have that is probably our most challenged community recruiting-wise, but it has the very best management of the company. So these are the people that do everything right, that try every strategy to its fullest, but they still struggle the greatest to either retain an hourly worker or to recruit a new hourly worker so they have the most gain by employing the strategy. Um, and how to achieve quick visible wins, what I would say is based on what we learn there from the hourly team, that we would select a few of the strategies that come as a result of that and implement them quickly um, and begin gauging the success or not and, and perfecting them so that they can see that that feedback again was turned around quickly into a tangible, visible initiative. What do you all think? Yeah. Comments? Jim? I, I think it's tough. Uh, you now because you, you're doing this communication at people very, very effectively. We know how good you would be at sending the bulletins company wide. Here's what's going on. Da da da. And then the, the the struggle is your your next line of reports taking the time to talk about these communications and making sure that any objections or concerns and all that stuff is discussed. With the, and their mindset's going to be, look, they sent the email, why the hell do we have to talk about this? But you need them to talk about this. That's your job. Right. Yeah. And that's part of this rollout model that you'll see. So do, do, do the leaders of each community see themselves as the CEO? They do. In a way that, so they need to be over-communicating or getting themselves wild. So maybe they're already used to that, and it's a matter of making it more two-way. Exactly. Or, and then bringing you into the two-way. And I think the um, taking the bigger initiative and having a vision at, at their community level, that it, it encompasses it, but it makes it real for the culture that they have in that particular community. And that's what I see as greatly missing. I actually just met with someone yesterday uh, for the full day working with her one of my EDs. And it, that just became very apparent. They're looking for not only the strategy and the vision, but don't really see the autonomy they have to, to take it and make it real with people. Mold it for their community. And that, that's a flaw in probably how we've communicated and structured their jobs, which we have to address. Uh, how is that strategy, vision communicated? Was it from you to everybody else? Yes. Uh, yes. We just went through a major reorg and um, actually brought someone in to help us because <clears throat> I'm a cradle guy, all right? Um, 20% of the time gets 80% of the results, and I'm not concerned about the last. It's too hard to get the last 20%, but <clears throat> that is a flawed thought. And um, uh, when we were, we did a major reorg and we're getting ready to present it, and the consultant said, this is how you should do it. And I said, well, that's not my style. And he says, well, so what we did is compelling reason to change 
and we orchestrated the meeting, spent more time than I ever thought we should, but, but was excellent. Gave the compelling reason to change, and then the senior partners delivered on that with the tactics, and always referred to as Dan said. Otherwise, it's just the old man's gone off another direction. Here we go again, and it had a dramatic improvement on getting that last six inches into the change. So it was compelling. I was of a two-hour meeting. I was like five minutes, and usually I'm like um, you know 123 minutes. You know, and it was really difficult for me to stand back, but something transformed in that meeting that was just spectacular to see. You know, so you know, getting the the other key people that have to do the implementation to to dig deeper into this is what it means to you, this is how we're going to do it. As Dan said, as Lori Ann said, I think it takes the burden off of you and it puts it onto your leaders that are just Ready for that. So. Mm-hmm. That's the cascading effect. You'll see it. I believe, and I've seen it work hundreds of times, every level until there's nobody left. Each level could be three, four, five levels deep. Present the overall plan, the same exact slide deck or whatever message you use, then customize it to their direct reports. So you went one level. I'm saying then that we're, level. We're flat. Yeah. Flat. Oh, that's right. You did right. So and, and you're 20 whatever seven employees was it 20? So you probably only have two levels because this technical people. We only have one. One level. And we went to uh, we, we restructured. Okay. But anywhere where you have three levels, the next level then. I mean, right on down to the factory worker, the the lowest CSR, the lowest. Each level presents the same message because, again, once is not enough, and they customize it to their direct reports. And then I'm going to be doing this two weeks from now with the largest, uh, oh, it's a Vistage company, it's the largest uh, specialty uh, career education uh, publisher in, in the country. You know, the auto mechanics and the nurses and all that stuff. And it's been an event, but I've done this a hundred times. That cascading is the way to do it. You want every level to have to make the pitch. So they're all in it. And it's one thing to say, see what the boss said? It's another to have to repeat and handle the questions and explain it and then customize it to their group. It's an all-in thing. We spent two hours, or two days, preparing for a two-hour meeting. But it seems like it's working, right? It is. Right. It is. Or you can spend two hours up front for a two-hour meeting and then the rest of your life trying to make it happen. <laughs> And I have a graph later and I'll show that. Well, hopefully, I'm going to give you the method. You, you got the check off, and it's not as painful as perhaps you went through. And you can do it faster. So, anyways, uh, excellent, excellent. So, we're going to have to take a break. When we yep. come back, we'll do step three and then keep going through the rest of the process. Yes, Henry? It's not sort of out of process, but I would love to hear Henry. I think since he just went on the previous one, I'd love to hear his answer. Oh. Because I think that's, that's super important for what Henry's doing. Okay. So Henry, would you, when we come back from the break, would you take a run for three? Where sorry, where we talked about and then, yeah. you know, who exactly, who. Yeah, no, that's cool. I love it. Yeah, let's make this as real as possible. All right. All right. All right, that's great. I'm glad you're getting some uh, some 
really good things out of it. Um, there was a request for Henry to answer those questions given the, the previous conversation and explanation of the strategy and the challenges you had. So what, what would you do different in the future uh, based on these three questions? What would I do in the, different in the future based on what I just said this morning on the change? Uh-huh. Yeah. What did I do differently? Or what would you do? What would you do? What would you do? In other words, would you? Start with? I mean, just answer the questions. I the answer to the question. I think I answer it this way. I tried the top level down. It didn't work. So I went to the lower level, pushing it back up again. So what I did is I went to the Fox Chapel salon, uh, several salons, and I mentioned it to a few of our people. Two of them in Fox Chapel really started the program. With that, I was able to then communicate to the key manager group how that's working. Then we had a brainstorming session, or discussion, I should say, on should we do it or shouldn't we do it, and what would the cost be if we did do it, how would it work, and what have you. And I got feedback from uh, that group as to what they thought it would work. Uh, where I'm at at the, the particular moment is I drafted up a, a draft. I drafted an email and sent it off back out to the key key group only as to what the benefits might be to the each team member and also to the company and what it could what it could mean. And that's where I'm at at the moment. I. Do you feel like you got a quick visible win? I'm sorry. Did you did you get a quick visible win at the Fox Chapel store with the two employees? Oh yes. Did it, yeah, the market, did it work? Was there value? Yeah. They, well, they they're they're very pleased with it. They're, they 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 they're continuing to do it. And our marketing manager she told me that they're having excellent results on Instagram. That's what she's telling me because of that. She's telling me that people are really responding because they're doing they're showing makeovers. And they're really responding to that as opposed to other just normal product advertising. So based on that, I felt I, I, two years ago I thought it was a good way to go. Today I still feel the same. And the only difference is, is that there appears to be that some people are starting to make it happen. Yeah, so my only thought would be I wonder if you can get the people that have embraced it then to spread it among their peers as opposed to trying to drive it top down into other organizations. Just it's a question. I no, no, no. You're, that's something I really have to work on as to how to do that. And I'm trying to get enough people embraced to, to involved in this and have the passion to go out and get other people to do it so they can start sharing that. Uh, that's either, either through the key manager group, they're, they're getting more people to inspire to do that. Just a gradual communication process, I think. It just, just at this at this point, at least, there is a sign that it's potential that it can be done. Yeah. So it sounds like you have an experiment that maybe starting to succeed. Right. So back to one of my earlier takeaways from Jim is it's the what's in it for them. And so I wonder if the people who are doing it can articulate the reason why they're doing it, the benefits to them of doing it, and then that would be sort of a a peer level. Yeah. I'd like to send them to every salon and talk to everybody. Well, maybe. I don't know how that would work. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
But I would probably ask them to articulate, you know, you're doing it, what are you getting out of it? What's the benefit to you? Because I think that answer will motivate other people at a peer level as opposed to a top-down management level. Now, Henry, did you, just as a point of clarification, did you do this, you went around the management team in order to do it? The answer is yes. You know, there's a danger in that, okay, long-term. You might, on this particular initiative, get the thing moving forward, but there is some unintentional consequences by thinking that implementation can't go through your leadership team and you've got to go from the bottom down. Good point. I think it's sustainable. If you don't have the leadership team behind it, it's not sustainable. Unless you want to just spend all your time doing this, you know, and having episodic wins, but even that I'm willing to pose. Look, if you can't get your management team engaged and committed to it, it ain't going to happen. So there's got to be, there has to be benefits and consequences to them. Each level has to have a within, positive, and negative. Now, the value may be at least they've seen a benefit in it. Their numbs go up, you know. Sooner or later they've got to start eating dog food. I agree with you on that. And that's the next thing, that's what I'm working on right now. That's why I had the meeting with the 17 people to do that. And one of them really chimed in saying, you know, they like to do it, they would do it, some of them are already doing it, you know, so hopefully that will keep on going. I think you're right. For an old guy, Instagram, okay, I'm like really not really sorry, you know, but I really don't understand what that is. And now are you posting before and after pictures of clients so the world can see? Or is it just interns so the world can see? The world can see. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And Dan, Instagram is the leading, I call it, mobile-based photo sharing. Yes. That's pretty much what it is. Right. Paramount Pictures. But it doesn't work, Dan, it doesn't work on a dial phone. Hey, you got an Apple, baby. No, I got an Apple store and I didn't get a rash. So, Chris, do you have something else? I was going to say, I think part of this, Jim, this is your stuff. You've got to define what the visible win is for each level. You know, you said, but I mean, from the company perspective, for Henry and his brother, who own the company, it's that mountaintop picture you have. It's, I see clearly, we're going to grow sales. At the chair level, for the stylists, I mean, there's a lot of young people who work in your salons. They can put a lot of pictures on social media. So what? What's the win for them? And I think Bob and Dan make good points about management. They have to, at the salon level, they have to, there has to be a win for them, too. Otherwise, they're going to be saying, put your damn phones away. Oh, good point. Good point. That that's a big one. The, the middle of the I want you to do this job. Right. I, that was I, I you know, strategy. That's really effort is phenomenal for your space. Right. And when you, I mean, every 
there's so much drive that, you know, the biggest loser and all that kind of stuff. It's oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and we have to I have uh, got a super intriguing idea there. Yeah. So, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I'll volunteer to be a before picture. <laughs> <laughs> It's more than just culture, it's the whole organizational system that we got to look at to make sure it is aligned with what you're trying to achieve. So we got to specify if there's a new value or behavior, specifically what we want people to do. Then number two, we have to say, what about the business processes? Maybe we have to change the process to, to allow this to happen or to make it happen. Um, and then we have to look at the HR systems to make sure they are not derailing the change. And then lastly, involve the middle managers as much as possible all the way down in the creation of this thing and the fine-tuning of it. And in the presentation. Oh, yeah, that, that it definitely. That will be in the next one, the cascading down in step four. Yeah, the, that's the key. Is that, that is massively important. So let's take a look at this. Where can the HR system derail? All right. Performance appraisals. Uh, you know, going back to this one, if the, if the photo thing is never brought up by the, the, the manager after a year, it's gone. It's gone. Right? Because it's not in the performance appraisal. Um, compensation. Uh, somebody does not do the photos but still manages to double their business and they get the biggest raise. What does this show the world? You need yeah. You're right. Yeah. And we, it's, you know, salesperson. Okay, we're now trying to get every salesperson to sell a full line of products, chemicals, services, assessment tools, and uh, the best salesperson, not best, the one with the biggest amount of revenue or the number of the biggest growth in revenue sells just one thing. What's the message? Again, anywhere through it can be derailed. Or who we hire and promote. Again, so these are the things that are the real messages that the people see. So we need to make sure, that at least that they're not detracting from the message. And if anything, stack them towards this message. So all future training will include the photo sharing approach. It's a module in it, right? Onboarding, same thing. So we stack all this. It's that simple. But it's, so this is a checklist way. Any one of these could cause the, the message to be the opposite of what you're stating it to be. Now, with regards to the culture, and I love value statements and all that. In fact, I like to take it one step further. I call them strategic values, meaning to implement the new strategy what new value beyond the plain vanilla ones of quality, respect, innovation? Is there a new belief that employees have to have? Okay? Over and above the standard set. And we want to define that new belief. 
Then we have to take the belief or value and make it crystal clear. Very simple way to do it. For each, and this would be for each overall for the whole company, and then each department, engineering, marketing, sales, service. What do we want people to start doing differently than they've done in the past? Maybe it's only one thing. Maybe it's, but prioritize. And then to create time for that, or to not derail it, what do we want them to stop doing? And if we can list a few of these things, overall for all employees, and then for each department, as we cascade it down, it now becomes clear. Because culture and values, it's just ethereal thing to most employees. This is so simple, you can have them do it as an exercise in this cascading, or you can, your top team can at least define them for you know all employees. And then you, as you cascade it down, you custom, each manager would cast, customize it for their own department. Make sense? So this was so simple, I'm not going to keep going so we can get through. But it's so powerful when you sit down and think through this. All right, communicate your vision and strategy. Again, the top one, cascading, I'll give you a, a diagram for it. A relentlessly market the change. In other words, one communication is not enough. Um, and the, one of the most powerful ways to do that is to use stories. Storytelling, whether you're selling customers or selling employees, is really powerful. So it would either be stories from, we've seen another salon use this, and they're like n rocking the numbers, right? Or the story of the one or two that started it, as we were saying, or having them tell the stories to others. So storytelling is real powerful. Then your personal role. You have to role model whatever you're asking the new behaviors to be of everyone in the company. And I like to amp things up because you know that's my word, right? Amplitude. In fact, role modeling is good. <coughs> Symbolic acts are better. And flamboyant symbolic acts are even more powerful. So, um, the reason we need to do this, you think this is the way your communication is going to go. Repeat after me. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and we all now know that's not the case. How about this one? It's not really all that important that we understand each other, just that you understand me. <laughs> Is this not the way typically strategies are rolled out? Okay? So, in terms of a uh, symbolic, if not just uh, uh, act, this is uh, Sam Walton back in the day. And uh, they had never missed a promise of earnings forecast to Wall Street. But in the fourth quarter, one year, it looked like they were going to miss, and by a reasonable amount. So he asked the 200,000 or actually 800,000 employees, he says, if we can all pull together and hit the number that we've promised, I will hula down Wall Street. Now you might look at this and say, that's kind of crazy, but he at the time was the wealthiest person in the country. In fact, when he died, his four inheritors were in the top ten. 
<laughs> so there's something to be said for doing some wild things like this. Now to he take it, but he cheated though. He took pretty girls with him. Proud of that So promise your place you'll go down Main Street of Pittsburgh and hire some of these babies, you know. <laughs> but let me give you a different one that I heard from an employee who was just a, a, a store level department manager. And she said that Sam Walden, you can add your little point, I love that from yesterday. He, he spent 100 days a year traveling all over the country, just walking into stores like you were just going around and going around in the different units. And one day he said, he walks into her department and, uh, you know, he greets her and all that. And he looks around, he goes over, and he picks up a cigarette butt. Now, this is a long time ago. Picks up a cigarette butt, walks over, throws it away, and then goes back to complimenting the performance of the area, staying totally positive, never mentioning it. What did that show her and the employees that were observing? What did that show? How the behavior you're looking for. If the wealthiest person in the country will bend over and pick up a cigarette butt, maybe they boy shit. The backstory is the store director got undressed 20 minutes later by. Exactly. And Sam used to walk around with cigarette butts in his pocket just for that purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. And it's possible. It's a little add-on. It could be. It could be. I would not be surprised. All right? But the, you're exactly right. The corporate rumor mill is fiber optic. <laughs> Whereas he didn't have to say it. He could have given speeches, and it would have gotten nowhere. It's the act. So you must be creative in coming up with these acts to demonstrate amplitude. You're amped up on, on this whatever you're trying to get. And if you do that, the, the, the organization will take care of itself. Whatever it is you're trying to get, done. But you got a hand up somewhere? Yeah, so Jim, back to yes, the story please. about I'll pull it down the main street. Okay, so there's the sort of the incentive, but there's still got to be quite a process for how are we going to generate more. I mean, must oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they, that full strategy, all that. But I'm just focusing on the one thing in terms of the flamboyant act piece. Mm-hmm. Y'all got to have the full plan, yeah. full everything, and how we're going to do it, where are we going to save the money. Right. Oh, absolutely. You, these are not, like, you can't cherry pick just one thing. Okay. I mean, you can. It'll probably help. It'll work. <laughs> but the whole, but it's not going to make a, a, a breakthrough. Right. You got to do most of the pieces. Right. But as I said, I'm open to hearing what we cannot, you can forget to do. So, now, how do you communicate? Well, we got the standard PowerPoint with the strategic action plans, SAPs, I call them. You can do a summary PowerPoint version, a brochure version of any change or whatever. Simple little eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, fold it over, three panels. If you can't fit the plan on this and it's crystal clear, then you probably don't have a clear strategy. Um, I have seen every one of these vision vision posters where it shows metrics as well as a picture a collage of what the future looks like movies videos i have a, a my my smaller companies uh clients uh liquor store chain in texas with like 20 liquor stores in east uh, western texas and uh 
because the stores are so geographically spread, like a lot of your units, they did the, a video of the top management team, six-minute video of the CEO and the, and the top reports explaining the plan, and then they sent the video out, and then behind that they had had this cascading. So that the you know the cascader could show the video because all the people they couldn't bring everyone to corporate headquarters, right in San Antonio, um, and so I mean there's so many different ways. I've seen skits, <laughs> you know the, you name it the laminated cars the T-shirts the hat you know, all you name it we got to market the daylights out of this thing. The bigger and more hardest to get it across, the more tools you need to use. You don't use them all at once. You use them over time to keep refreshing the message. So pick and choose what fits your company and fits the particular strategy and the change. I have a suitcase full of this stuff. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so we're agreed honesty is the best policy. Okay, let's label that option A. <laughs> so if there's some bad news coming, get it out there fast. Because the rumor mill is going to amplify it much worse than it probably is. So if there's a cutback or this or let's just you know we're pro, you know productivity suppliers suppliers like you said we're dropping. You don't want to let it build up. Want to put it out there. Now while you're giving your presentation, this is what every one of the employees are wearing. <laughs> I actually have these. We can put them on if you like, but I don't have windows. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we have to make sure that it comes across completely uh, truthful and at all levels. So this is my diagram for the cascading. As you said, they want to hear it from the top, you, the top person, or wherever the change is you know, starting. The top person there, and then every level down. So you give the vision, you know, you give the plan. Or you and your few top, you know, your top team give the plan together. That's even better. Like you, you did, uh, Dan. Where you said you, the team did a lot of it, right? Oh. Then, then the team then goes and does it again because people don't get it the first time, and so the same pitch, not necessarily word for word, but the same pitch, and then customize it to their direct reports. And then it goes down and down and down until there's no level below. In a giant company, it might go down six, seven levels, eight levels. All right? Then you're going to collect feedback, which I'll explain later, all the way up. Everyone's going to get a shot at the plan and the strategies and give their feedback. So it's cascade down, cascade up. And by the way, as this is being presented down, you want the words draft stated on the plan. Why do you want the words draft, not final plan? Get their input. Get their input. Because if it's final, it's final. That gets to Nino's earlier observation, I think, right? Yeah. Mm, kind of. Pardon? I mean, I, I, I'm, I, mean I, I was listening to Dean and hearing my own, because here's where I'm having a struggle. This to me feels like a launch phase, but, you know, I, one of the best quotes on planning I ever heard was from Mike Tyson, which is everybody's got to have, everybody's got to plan until they get hit in the head. And, <laughs> to get punched in the face. And I mean, right. part of the struggle is, and I guess what I found was effective is, you got to keep bringing people back to the strategy and 
looking at what's working, what's not working, how, when we make an investment, we hire a person, how it relates back to the strategy. If something good came of the strategy, obviously celebrate it, but also talk about the things that aren't working yes. and why they're important. And I think that's, I guess my feeling is that's the more, this stuff, I think people spend way too much time thinking about this, in my opinion, like with the slogans and the cards and whatever, it's a lot of money and time spent. Because that's just a launch, you know? I agree. The, the strategy really lives and gets in based on daily, weekly, monthly checkpoints of mm -hmm. what, you know, tying it, continually tying results back. To and fine-tuning it. And fine-tuning it. Because again, back to your point, you know, we don't know what's going to work. Strategy probably takes a lot. And you take the first step and you realize, holy shit, we wanted to do A. It's like you just got in the head. Yeah, you just got a dose of reality. Everything changes. I uh, I agree a hundred percent, and I and I Maybe and that's a step seven. And I agree. You want to you want to say, well, let's say we're going to attack the new market sector, right? Right. We're going to go after omni-channel marketing, blah blah blah. We're not. We don't have any credibility there. We're going to go into it. We might need five or six different ways to try to do this. And that's the plan. And you say, here are the five ways right. we're going to try. Right. And you're going to try one, and you're going to try one. Right. And now let's do it. We're going to reconvene in a month and see what's working or not. Yeah. And then we're going to refine it and narrow it down to two ways. And eventually we may end up with two ways. That's fine. Right. That's absolutely fine. That's got to be explained in the way to front. There's a ton of energy and time and commitment that's gone into the upfront stuff. And if, if after the first couple steps it, it changes, then that's pretty much, that's a lot of waste. Right. Well, it's if the it. Myth, the myth of the big project, you know, and the. Uh huh. Like the big projects never really bear fruit. Once they bear fruit, it continues stream of small ones to get things done. It, it's, it, I mean, there's, this is great. This is really good stuff. There's a lot of great suggestions in here. I don't know. It's just... You could do all the... Assuming you have figured out your strategy, whether it's going to work or not, hopefully it is going to work, roughly. Uh, you could do everything we've talked about thus far in, a, in, a, in four hours. Three, four hours. Really? Yes. Just do it fast. Yes. Sit down and write the write out. What are the consequences? What are this? Who am I going to start with? I mean, we could do one in 15 minutes right now, okay, if you had it properly facilitated. It can be done very quickly. I'm assuming you have the plan written, thought through, you know, here's your, your plan for whatever you're going to do. You could do this in a few hours up front. You don't have to make those super deep. Now, this is going to take a little bit of time because you're going to ask each level to explain it to the next level. Well, if not, who's going to know what to do? We plan with strategic agility because... Yes. What the hell? How do we really know what the world's going to look like in three years? Oh, of course. You know, right. and so, you know, planning with strategic agility allows you to course correct but still keep the direction going in the same same way. Beautiful. It's a, I love it. It's a course grain right. versus a fine grain. Mm -hmm. Like man shapes and patterns and people are thinking adjust. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. I to totally agree. You, you cannot, no one has a crystal ball, no one knows exactly which strategy is going to work. And you often want to implement different versions of whatever it is and, and with that agility to be able to pick and choose. And then things are still going to change. 
And then you have to refresh the strategy or come up with a whole new one if something big changed. That's all part of it. This is just one step. We've got to communicate it down so everyone understands it. Now, and, and ideally, in that communication session, and you can do this if you want to take it one step further, you have everyone fill out a form like this, or at least start in that session. Spend 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Okay, here are, you fill in this. Here are the strategies, the five major strategies of, of the rollout of, you know, of what you're doing. Each person, how will I help? Now, they might not be able to help on all of them, so they only fill in the ones where they can help. Just a sentence. And then, how would I, what would I expect the outcome to be? And how would I know it happened? What kind of measurement would I use? Ten minutes, they start that, and then later the boss can go back uh, or that, for that level, come back uh, you know, a week later or whatever, a couple days later, and say, okay, let's take a look at this and see your contribution. What this does is have every person try to internalize how they're going to help implement the strategy or change, whatever it is. This is one sheet of paper. You don't have to do it, but I'm saying this would take it to the, it really gets people thinking. So it's a powerful one. So you start with the town hall, then you cascade it down level by level. Ideally, you have a few stories to tell of how this is going to work. And then you have to figure out again how you would role model, if not even do, a symbolic or even flamboyant act. So we've already talked about this quite a few times already because it came up in your in your earlier ones, Lorianne, and yours and whatever. My thought would be, I'd like you to take a minute or two to think, how would you role model what you want everyone else to do and, if not, amp it up with some kind of symbolic act that people would go, wow, the bus really is into this one and might spread it fiber optically. Take a minute to figure that out. This is your role after the communication. This is your biggest contribution. How would you role model this and or symbolically do something to show this is where your time's going? We do. That would be how would you role model it if not for the change you're working on, if not even an amped up version. So it really might have some... uh, Yes, please. I heard a version of this as a management technique recently, and I, I just think it doesn't apply to this. And it's a kind of an ups and downs thing where you ask as the leader, you ask your key people, what are, give me, maybe start with one, but three things that I've done well to help foster the strategy, and three things I could have done better in the next week or month that would have helped drive the strategy. And you know, now think about it in this context because, first of all, it's sort of a way that's sort of testing the level of buying and commitment for your management. They got to think through that, and then they begin to say, hmm. they begin to ask that you want them really to ask the same thing of their direct reports. You know, that gives you the opportunity to be agile also and kind of adjust it. Right, right. So we, I love that one. That is so powerful. I call it, uh, you know, the 360 kind of thing. I call it the open 360 on a mini version. Oh. What are my pluses? And right. What are my right. deltas? Right. And I like to, you know, you've all heard of plus delta, right? And, and I go, I've changed, I call it plus delta improve. What did, what did I do right or what is good? What could change? Not bad, but what should I do to change? And then tell me how. Right. 
What do you want me to do different? If you do that, you show that openness. You just listen. And then you did. You know, you don't know. Yeah. You just do not. Your first thing to do, you're going to want to do is what? Defend. Right. Right. Absolutely. You got to bite your tongue. They used to say this at 3M. Captains bite their tongues till they bleed. <laughs> That's so powerful. I like that. I like the openness of that. We did. Uh, we did a 360. We had a consultant come in, and it was. Great for some people. We had one individual that uh, upset a lot. I mean, took the 15% negative and created uh, further division than we had the troops. Uh, I like I like the way you're you're doing. So it's uh, you're showing vulnerability first. Mm-hmm. Well, let me. But I have to disclose my source. That is Clint Hurdle has implemented that in Congress. So he has a weekly session with all his coaches, and they give him feedback. Cool. That's hugely symbolic. If let's say you want people to be more open. Same thing with back on my other one on the openness to new ideas. If you're saying I want to have an innovation, I want everybody to be considering new ideas. And then one of your VP goes, Well, why don't we try this? And you go, Well, that won't work. What'd you just do? (laughs) Okay. So even if you hate the idea, you have to, if you recall, I call it open-minded manager. One minute, say, okay, let's try to make this work. <laughs> even if your heart's not in it, you got to act it out. Let's try to make this work. Who knows? You might be surprised. You could be wrong. <laughs> if you take one minute to make, try to make it work, and then say, well, we did, we tried. You know, if you got a good version, bring another one to me. What did you just role model? You're open to any and all new ideas. You shut down one or two, boom. Just close, might as well just close the casket door. So, beautiful, yes. We just went through, like I said, a major change. And um, I think we crushed it in one. On two, there were some, there were some opportunities that we didn't have in the past that were available that, that had already been successful. So we were able to share some quick um, uh, success stories on the strategy. Uh, the symbolic act, a couple of cool things. I gave up the corner office to operations because we really needed the operational support in order to get us. And then we turned on, um, when I retired in 2008, my company gave me a clock that's the closest thing to um, perpetual motion. And once it started, it will run for 600 years and only lose like 20 minutes. And uh, I never started. How do you know? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I looked at the price tags. You spit that shit. Um, and uh, but I never started it because once you start it, you can't move it, and you need a jeweler to come in and stop it or move it, so forth and so on. So when we, the last thing we did in the meeting is we started the clock. Okay, and, you know, so that was not really flamboyant, but more symbolic of mm-hmm. what we were doing. The biggest issue for me is the role modeling, because it is it's really hard because they've been so there's an entitlement that my executives have, and and they always look to me to give them a fish, and I'm not doing that anymore. And they're saying, well, we need leadership, and I said, no, you don't. What you want is me to tell you what to do, and I'm done doing it. You figure it out yourself. And uh, so that's the biggest part of for me is that role modeling 
and not taking charge and just letting the process work. And that goes against the way I'm basically wired. That's the hardest thing for me. So far, we're really pleased. We're ecstatic with what's happened so far. Great. Great. It's not a breakdown. Really does. That's a huge observation. Hey, I'd love to. Can I ask that? Because I'm struggling with symbolic gesturing. I'm just having a hard time connecting that to my map, truthfully. Okay. Good. Tell me truthfully. But can everybody just rattle off what they, if they came up with something? I'd just like to hear some more examples. For you? For anybody. For anybody. I don't know. It's kind of not my style. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm finding a little bit of a struggle there. Okay. Anybody have one? Well, I was going to say, just for you, making something out of this new colored metal, you know, some big giant thing, right, that people see every day, that, you know, this is our future. Okay. Or finding some way to dress yourself in kind of black and white, bare metal. Color. Well, I did then, write down and uh, then flip flamboyantly into some full-color jester outfit. Right? That's like, wow, look, Jim's all colorful. See, and that is flamboyant. So <laughs> yeah, people might get you as bears and people. Delorean reskin it with a new shit. Well, that's cool. Which what? what I didn't do that. DeLorean and reskin it with your new stuff. <laughs> oh, that'd be wild. A pink DeLorean. How cool was Turn your office into the new paneling. Put the new paneling all on the walls of your office. And say, I'm going to live in, in it. Okay? So you don't even have to do anything. You just have somebody come in and panel it with this, this new, the latest technologies. Yeah. I mean, so you got to get creative here. you got to let the juices flow, you know? What would be the ideal? Remember my creative model? You say, what would be like perfection, the ideal? And then we got to bring it down to that. Get land this thing to what you can actually do. You know, and there's but something else here because when 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 people say it's not me or I can't do that, it, you know, I think you need to take risks here. You know, I think you need to try new things. That's why you're leaders. Outside and I think, your comfort zone. Yes, I think you need to get outside your comfort zone. I think you need to take the risks. That's why you are where you are in your in your companies. So you know, it's too easy to say it's not me or I can't do that or. You know, it's not my style. Who cares? Who cares? Make an impression on your people. That's what's important. What's yeah, I agree with style. that. Yeah. With that style. Well, you got to be yourself, too. Yeah, I agree with that. And yeah. all that. Yeah. That's why I said you got to float it down to what semi-functional. I agree with everything you said on that, but that um, the, uh, authenticity piece is really, really important. Um, uh, I'm not the flamboyant type of hula dancer, but the symbolic things that I did were important to me. They, they touched my heart, and, and like I say, I think both of those, I don't know if they had an impact, but I let them know we're not turning back. And, and I'm not a big proponent of feedback on strategy. It's this is the way we're going. Now, on the execution piece, I like that coming back to to tweak so forth. Tweak, so on. that big tweaks. But I mean, that's the direction. And yeah, that's the tough part. How much do you say this is where we're going, and how much do you 
up. We'll cover that in the next step. Yeah. All, right? All right? Beautiful. Good. So you're right there with me each step. What's the next one? I love it. But again, I throw in the word flamboyant only to kind of juice you up a little bit. Symbolic is the key. Go to symbolic. What would, is a symbol of the new change to strategy? Is that you spending more time, uh, uh, Lorianne, with your top people and say, look, we're going to, every communication, we're going to sit down and do this and we're going to do it thoroughly until you tell me we don't have to do it anymore. You know, we're going to do everyone like this. That, that alone is, is showing that it's 100% commitment so you don't have to get dressed up in a costume. Just, do, you know, just do it to a large degree. You can just pick up a cigarette pipe. So, any event, um, I, I had one CEO when who literally wanted to change the culture and the strategy because the, 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 basically they were, this goes back quite a few years, their industry was shifting from analog to digital. Okay, they made transducers for chemical plants and, and uh, uh, you know, control systems and whatnot. And, and to show that, and, and, you know, we did, they didn't, most of the people didn't have digital skills, so they were scared to death of it. So we basically did, we did, did the plan launch, the presentation, and he had like a little thing that looked like a coffin. And they took all the analog products, and he took out a little shovel, and he buried them, and said, they are now buried. And we'll ride the revenue until it disappears, but we're going digital. See what I mean? I mean, that, anybody could do that. And the employees are like, whoa. I mean, that's stuck in their minds forever. So that's what I mean by out there flamboyant. So it's time to take off, right? We're ready to go. We got the plan. We communicated it. Okay. The reason is, we still, I don't care how good your message, how good you hit them with the whippets, positive, negative, how good your flamboyant act or symbolic act was, and the clarity of the plan, and this quick wins you picked, there's resistance. And so we have to remember, so we got to identify what we think it might be so we're ready to handle it. But more importantly, we need to create a safe forum for employees at all levels to point out their concerns and the risks and the challenges. Now, we're not asking them to say, go in a different direction. Not to change the direction of the strategy, it's the fine-tuning of the strategy. Well, continuous improvement, basically. Right. Because just on the first wave of communication, just kind of start that. So the strategy we're going to do, it's just a question of the nitty-gritty on how to do it, and we need to do that. And then so we're asking for their concerns, and then we do asking for their preventatives, and then you take all these preventatives that you've heard, factor them up, and then come out with your final plan. So we're taking a draft plan to the folks. And again, it's not, it's not going to change the essence of your plan. Because you're up here doing a high wire act on anything new, and if you, concrete's not a good thing down there, so we're creating a safety net for this new strategy. Don't want to necessarily do that. This is how both strategies are implemented. I showed this slide in my last one. <laughs> right? Okay? So, with that, even potholes, and I mentioned this last in my last presentation, but it's so important. If you roll this thing out and we hit a single pothole, word spreads. And then you hit another pothole and everyone starts to go, whoa, what's going on here? The big boss said this was going to be great. 
And then you get a third pothole. Your organization starts to look like the San Francisco cable cars with people hanging off. They're ready to jump, whether you know it or not. So we want to even pave over the potholes. The little things that go wrong that can upset the whole thing. This is how they think about your plan when you're bringing it out. I heard that. That's what you said, Rob. Yes? All right? In fact, this is how they really think about it. That's a photograph from Saudi Arabia. And the work with the oil company, Ali Naimi, the oil minister, today's oil, all the way down in every division you can think of. They're ready to stone it. So, in fact, this one. As you gain experience, you realize that all logical questions are considered insubordination. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me I'm not true. Tell me this isn't true. This is your hot technology. Not your mouth. We're beyond the symbolic act. It's time to listen to the feedback. In fact, that's you being a superb, execution, excellent person at this stage. So I invented a technique that I've used a mere hundred, multiple hundreds of times, and it works. I call it double barrel brainstorming. So if you have a couple hours, you can do double barrel. If you only want to do it in an hour, because we don't have time, then we only do the second barrel. Two flip charts. At each level, as this thing, after your town hall, and then your direct reports go and meet with their direct reports, and every single level, after they've presented it and customized it, you get out two flip charts. They or a facilitator would write out them. Each one's a Ben Franklin. So we start with this one on the left if you have a little extra time. What is everyone's additional ideas on how to make this work? Their, their ideas, okay? And then you ask them, like back to my original model, give me your wild, crazy ideas. We're not going to necessarily do those, but give me your wild ideas. Now, after you have a few there, and it won't be that many usually, then you say, okay, let's bring them down to some more feasible versions. And maybe we'll come up with a good one and we'll feed back up and go in the final plan. Cool. So we got your creativity. But this is the, that's good, but that's not the big one. This is the one. Now, I want all your concerns for either at company level or your personal level of us implementing this strategy. I want to know everything that you think could go wrong or that's going to be difficult or you name it, anything negative. And I want as many as possible. In fact, one of my East German facilitation techniques is everybody's got to come up with at least one. There's no tourists in the room. I want as many as possible. So you first, then you do all of these. Then you go back and you say, okay, given these, what are the preventatives to them? Notice we're not changing the strategy. We're taking out the little potholes. If you have a good strategy and it should work, it's not what's in your strategy that's going to hurt you. It's what you left out of the strategy. This is going to point out what we left out. And we fill in potholes. So, good grief, Parker. Just yesterday, you were my leading yes man. (laughs) Now I want you to be my leading no man. We want dark side in this for that, what the risks and concerns are. Now, if you want to make it, take it to a, a slightly more sophisticated level, 
takes an extra 15 minutes to do the middle step. We have all the wrists come out, and then we use a simplified version of in what's in Six Sigma called failure modes and effects analysis. So for each of the wrists, like what if uh, somebody puts some really crummy uh, photos or something on the web? They're out there forever. Worse, right? It, it, this, it, I mean, it's forever. You can't get it off the web. What's the negative impact, high, medium, or low? What's the probability of it happening, high, medium, or low? And what's the undetectability? That's the one that really this failure modes and effects analysis uh, is most known for. The undetectability is we had 10 of our people put this bad photos or whatever it is out there, and we didn't even know what was happening because it happened so fast, and there's no way to get out once they're on. Or when you go buy a company, and afterwards you find out why they sold it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's undetectability. <laughs> so if you get a high, high, high on a risk, trust me, you want to know about it. Now, we can usually design it out almost all the time. You don't have to change the strategy. You're just filling in the little nitty-gritty. You know, number one is, I don't even know how to work my iPhone. <laughs> And here, Dan's one of your hairdressers. I don't know where the darn thing. They could probably teach me. <laughs> there you go. So whatever. Okay, so we'll train you. <laughs> Somebody designed a one-hour training course. Yeah, this is little stuff, but it's important. Okay, so you do this at every level. So I call this because I brand everything. Vent to prevent. Let them vent all over it, which releases their negativity and then prevent all over it and now they've again creatively contributed to your strategy so you gain a few things by this step now this takes some thick skin and open-mindedness and Bob as you said you can't say anything you can't be defensive right you got to go through in fact you want, you want as many risks as possible what do you think we gain by this step besides buying yeah, how do you get by it? It sounds so negative. Now you know where the potholes Pursue potholes. Yeah, yeah you're going to uncover the ones that aren't real, but are in their mind. When it comes out low, 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 they go, oh, okay. Well, I thought that was going to, yeah, that was my biggest concern. Perceived ones get pushed out of, the, out of their minds. we got to clear all that stuff out. Then if we find some real ones, What's the benefit of this? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because again, when it starts getting slower and bumped and here and there, and it starts to eventually it just fades. This is the most powerful force in execution excellence. If you did nothing of any of the prior steps and only this, this will double your chances of success. It takes one hour. You have an hour? <laughs> I'm serious. So you with Jim kind of cascade this down. So let's say the leadership team would be with their team and go through, lead them through this exercise. And then if there's another level down that's relevant, then 
Right. And each level is going to get more my, you know, more to right. the engineers. Now we're going to complain. I don't know the engineering drawings and da da da. And then the customer service is going to say, well, I don't know what to say when a customer calls up and asks me a question on this dude's I don't know. How did they put the color in the steel? I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to sound like an idiot. So this is the nitty gritty that has to be uncovered. This is really powerful. I'd say I never did this. <laughs> you know, and I, I see exactly the wisdom of this. And, and it really helps you as you're kind of implementing. There's always going to be something that isn't on that list. But my guess is probably two-thirds of the things that I always did battle with trying to hold course were probably on that list if we had taken the time to get that list. Right. And it been open enough and encouraged. Right. Now, do you want a symbolic act? The symbolic act here is, uh, well, first of all, let's back up. The last person, you, when you had a big town hall meeting and said, here's the strategy, and they raised their hand and they said, boss, I don't think this is going to work for this reason. They're no longer employed, right? <laughs> so that's one symbolic act. <laughs> it is. This is negative, deconstructive symbolic act. A constructive one is... I love this strategy. I know it's what we have to do. It's going to save the company, but I can think of three or four things that could go wrong. And you write them down on the flip chart. What does that show? You want more. That's what I mean by symbolic act. It's for real. One hour. <laughs> Properly facilitated. It's a, remember the amplitude thing? All, all, the, all the force in the universe is from amplitude. Okay? Oh, I don't want to get physics on you again, but this is a negative force that will kill your thing, or you can take the negative and make it a positive. I'm sorry. Well, I think it's an accelerator. It's going to speed up your conversion time to get it done. I think it has more to do with this distance than this one, but it's, it's good. This is good. It's an accelerator pedal. All right. Now you got it teach and or show them your people how to do it at each level because they're naturally going to resist. They're going to say, yeah, you can put it go, but look, that's easy. That won't ever happen. Boom. Kill the whole thing. See, it's negative brainstorming versus positive brainstorming. Same rules apply. You kill one of the negative points, no one will bring Whoa, I'm not going to bring up my thought. Dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> you came up with that bright idea? <laughs> So I invented this. And then it takes and that one hour to to five minutes if you want to be really efficient. <laughs> Beautiful. So let's do one. I think practice it. Do we have time? Yeah, we got time. This is we should actually do one. Who wants to volunteer and explain and again in a couple minutes what your proposed change is? The rest of us will role play employees. And uh, we'll see if there's anything that we think might be on our minds. Who'd like to volunteer? This is good. You're going to get benefit out of this. I guarantee it. Who'd like to volunteer? New person. Come on, somebody. Let's go. I'll volunteer. Thank you, Fred. Uh, I'm probably the worst one because we, you know, Bob said you can do that. We don't do much of this at all. So, uh, <laughs> in fact, I'm wondering how we got where we got. But. <laughs> 
Because you're, you're, good at, you're good at getting there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, but I, when I put down for strategic plan, one of the things that <clears throat> we did have a, have a concept on we thought was going to be very effective was embedding our employees in large industrial accounts. That way it protects our ongoing revenue of chemical sales. And we get revenue from the outsourced manpower, and it stabilizes that account. So, uh, so it's a concept we think is very powerful. In the history of the company, we've really only implemented it twice. Uh, at a plant down in Baltimore, a fully integrated steel plant, we built a waste oil plant inside. We had 10 employees down there and worked there. And that worked well until that company went out of business. And then we have another one in Youngstown, Ohio. We have uh, 14 employees up there. I think the I think the strategy is so powerful, I just am surprised everybody isn't doing it, but they don't. And I just, it just boggles my mind why they don't. I know some of the reasons, but... Uh, well, what would be a couple of reasons? So, well, some of the reasons is you really have to be willing to call it a high level. You can you got to call a plan manager or vice president or president if you're going to start talking about outsourcing manpower, or if you're going to let a company like us come in, design, build, own, operate, and manage a piece of your operation. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to rationalize why GIA plan manager doesn't want to hear this, the vice president, you know, you can come up with a thousand reasons why not to make that call. But if you do make the call, the two pieces that we had were so solid and so profitable for us. I mean, it's just, uh, I think it's just a great, great model, but I guess I might be the only one. But there are three of us, actually, the two that did it and myself. So what level would you like us to be? Not necessarily the lowest level employees, but the employees who would make the decision to, to go do this, right? I'd say our senior. To sell it. Realistically, it would be our senior salespeople because you yeah. have to be willing to call that. Right. So we're all the senior salespeople. See what I mean? I'm trying to do, okay, we're all senior. What, again, what's some, what's, some, uh, what's some risk concerns? Anything negative. That's what we're looking for. Well, first, I see the risk is, uh, yeah. Gee, Fred, I know I work for you, but I spend all my time with these people. Well, I really feel my role here is to, you know, I know you want me to do this, but it's not good for them. Uh, I've got to take care of my friends here. This is where I work. You put me here. Mm-hmm. It's not good for them, the customer. Well, yeah, what I'm saying is I'm the salesman who's not pursuing right. your objectives. I'm pursuing theirs because now I'm way too familiar on uh, right. part of them. Right. So we would write that down. Yeah. You wouldn't respond. No one responds. And okay. we go to the oh, next okay. one. Right. Who's got it? You're, you're senior. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, I, I tried to go there and uh, lay out uh, our benefits to them, but the thing they're worried about is their employees, they're going to lose their jobs, and they think they're doing a good job without us. So what are we going to do that they can't do themselves? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Write that one down. Next. Anyone else? I put our employees inside their company, and then they're affected by their crappy corporate culture, and now we look back and we're not executing. Beautiful. Another one. Everyone's got to come up with one. Remember, I'm the East German facilitator. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I don't make any more money selling this than I do selling other kinds of stuff, so why would I do this? Okay. What's, what's the risk to do with this? Anybody think of a risk or putting their employees? They're going to hire our employees. Yeah, they'll hire the boy. Mm, okay, that goes on the list. What else? That happens a lot in computer science. I think our employees are going to quit because their managers are not on site. You know, it's distant and no one's taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Good. 
customer just treats them like them. Right. It's hopeful. I mean, here's what. It's so hard to hire anybody good anymore, and I just gave away my employees. Now I got to spend my time rehiring a whole bunch more employees. Mm-hmm. See, we're, we got at least, what, 10 of them? 8 of them? I'm sure there'd be more. I right? got another one. Like, okay. You know, they're so eager to outsource their employees, they must suck. <laughs> so see, real or perceived, it's got to go up there, and you're doing great by not saying a word. In fact, you say, "Give me more, give me more." Mm-hmm. And we got all the. Now we assess. If you want to, you, you can jump right to this. If you want to do it quick at the lower levels, or the big strategic one, you know, bigger. We we go through. What's a negative impact? What's probably one's undetectability? Mm-hmm. So let's pick one. What, which one sounded uh, perhaps like the number one or top reason the you, you wouldn't uh, be voting to do this of the ones just mentioned? Just we'll pick one to play with. All right. Me? Like, oh, anybody? Either anyone or you? I think Paul's probably. I think the, the sales person thinks, gee, I'm not going to make that much more money, and uh, rationalizes why it's really not going to stabilize the ongoing revenue. I think. Obviously, if they think there's more money in it, our people will go for it. Uh, so okay. that's probably a, probably as good as any. Okay, so that one would get a, probably a high negative impact because it's going to stop it. Right. High probability because everyone probably feels that way. Undetectability low because that's it's in our face. Now we got to come up with preventatives. Okay. So what would be a preventative to overcome that resistance or concern? What would be a preventative? The two case studies, the places where we did it, uh, you could share the financial benefit to the two uh, salespeople that sold us. Aha. It's huge. So we kind of motivate them with some money. Is that equity or is it higher commission? Higher commission. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, It's a one-time sale, in essence, right? Uh, well, the the, equipment, the manpower is ongoing. You know, we make revenue off of, right. of those 14 employees, and then we're we're selling chemicals. That's the the main thing is a repeat business. Give me an example. The first one I talked about the uh, the plant in Baltimore. That account was worth us about eight hundred thousand dollars, close to it in annual chemical sales. The chemical the margins on that are around sixty percent. Okay, so. We put our plant inside there. Now we got 10 employees inside their plant on their softball team, you know, getting to know everybody really well. I mean, our competitors came in. I mean, they could never touch that 800,000, whereas most big plants will put those out to bid every three or four or five years, okay? So it's it's big numbers that you're protecting because that's that's ongoing revenue. That's eight hundred thousand every year. They, you know, year and the salesperson gets the commission. The salesperson gets commission, that's and that salesperson is twenty percent of the profit of his account. So as long as the team, the, the manpower is breaking, right? You make it all chemicals. That's you correct. Pay the manpower costs out of the chemical. No, we yeah we we would be willing to break even although we don't we make nice margins on the man part itself uh, and because we felt you know it's we're we're expert at what we do I mean with the white the water treatment side so uh, we don't mind charging and and yeah so you know, that, those are those are kind of some of the numbers and why I think it's a great strategy. Well, you went from vendor to trusted advisor, yeah. right? You know, and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I always said it. I always would like if somebody came in, they would go into that plant, they wouldn't know who the Bethlehem Steel employee was or who the Croft employee was, and that's the way it looked. 
Mm-hmm. So it's a great model. I bet a number of other risks was, look, I know how to sell chemicals. I do not know how to sell outsourcing. Right. Completely different sales. It is. And massively more difficult mm-hmm. and challenging. So you better give me a cookbook. I want a sales presentation. I want it completely worked out because I don't know how to do this. Right. You see what I mean? So, that would be the preventative for that one. And then you go through every single one, and all these pieces become tactics in the strategy that has not changed. Right. Yep. That's the power of this. It's amazing. Now, well, the other cool thing is, if you didn't even explain the strategy in the first place, they can't tear it apart unless they understand it. See, they had to have understood it to tear it apart. So it's actually another form of communication. We work with a client that does, their whole business is that. They're big. It's CDIMS, a local company. And um, uh, they're on the back end of every steel mill with the pit digger, all that kind of stuff. And with equipment and so forth and so on. They'll never get kicked out. But one of the things they should have brainstormed is they start, they don't charge enough because they start becoming more of a it's good and a bad they become more integral part of the operation but they don't they give away too much stuff versus charging for it right. where they could right you know, if they would have brainstormed yeah. that up front you're they right realize, you're right oh, wait a minute left money on Our the table it's sitting there we're letting them use it and all of a sudden it becomes their equipment now we've got to go out and run another piece of all right you know, so there's a whole business stream down there that they're going into now that they've uncovered over the last couple of years. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, their whole business is on plant mm-hmm. employees. Hmm. So we get buying like you, you cannot believe. You get bulletproofing of the strategy and de-risking of it. Not 100%, but you can get close. And then you get enthusiasm and motivation to implement because their point, they've been heard. They've been hurt, and maybe their ideas, meaning the preventatives are in the plan now. And then you say... Thank you so much for ripping this plan apart and giving it. You give them kudos and positive reinforcement for it. You had your hand up? Anyone? Okay. Beautiful. So, with that, um, and sometimes it can be just a couple little things. One of my clients uh, some years back was Shure. Shure is uh, uh, the largest microphone manufacturer in the world, about 100 million plus, maybe, I think they're 200 million now, um, as a result of the planning we did. Um, And uh, they made the microphones that were used by Kennedy, Roosevelt during World War I. Um, They actually won an Emmy for their microphone. And they have the Emmy in the lobby when you walk in. It's right outside of Chicago. And so we did a global strategic plan for them. And the headline, the vision headline was visionary to legendary. And they they presented this on down. And the employee feedback from 80% of the people was that's not the right order of words. We were legendary. Now we want to be visionary and drive the future of the industry. Just, just by changing that, made it was theirs. The CEO said, "You're absolutely right. We were wrong. The top team was wrong when we came up with this." It, it gives them like, "Hey, it's our strategy now. Let's go make this thing happen." So, any event, um, how many do actually do anything like this in your organization? It's amazing. It's 
amazing. That took one in ten or twenty, maybe. So we got all, and we got even things we think won't go wrong covered. Okay, and what we're doing is preventing this. <laughs> so now, now finally, it's time to execute, actually do something outside of talk about it. And so, allocate resources. I, I can't see how many plans where we're going to do all these great things, and we're going to ask all people to do things, but we don't give them any time, any money. Right? And we're expected to do this in addition to their current job. Well, that's not going to work. So either they got to drop something from those stops, or we got to find some new resources. Typically, there's new skills and competencies that comes out of what we need to give them. Again, we want to focus on really quick wins so we can publicize them. And then individual performance objectives, and then experiments. Again, just as you pointed out, we got to test different versions to see which one's going to work the best. So you're right, there is some time up front, Nina. There is some time up front. But area under the curve is the leader's time in this. You need to invest a little up here, and if you do, from then on, you become facilitator and let everyone else make this happen, and it takes off. Or we could do this way and launch without any of these steps, and then you're pushing on this wall for a long time. And it may still not. Right? Like, you're, they just stop. You got two successes, and they just stop. And you give up. You got other things to do, right? <laughs> so, so, major resources, competencies, take it down to one-page departmental plans if it's a, a big deal that we need to lay out. And uh, what would be some strategic experiments to try to find out which would be the best way to do this. Maybe try different ways to sell this in-source or outsourcing thing. You know, try different pitches. I have no idea which way. I mean, you know, maybe we need a, a, a web page on it or some kind of like more formal marketing presentation, whether it's the old-fashioned brochure or this or a slide deck. I have no idea. Um, or maybe you're the person who goes and calls the CEO or plant manager. Or maybe you appoint a VP to be the person. You see, we could try all different techniques, still trying to do the base strategy, mm -hmm. and see which ones work. And then feed, feed those. See, my philosophy is you shoot a bunch of BBs. And then when you say, ooh, some of these are sticky, you shoot pellets. And then if the pellets start working, you start shooting bullets. And then when we got the right formula, nice big cannonball. And you hit every damn plant in the country. <laughs> but we don't want to go there until we know which methods can work. You do that, you can get 50%. That would be the breakthrough goal. In three years, we're going to have 50% of the plants in the United States who use these chemicals, and we're going to be in them. Mm -hmm. What's that worth to you in month? And, uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Isn't that though the tactic around the strategy? Yeah, we're working on the tactics around the strategy. Then why do we call them strategic experiments versus tactical experiments? They're strategic because they turn out to be strategic when we find the right formula. See, the, the, in, in meaning, again, is it, do we need like a superstar uh, um, rainmaking person who's the only person who sells this? 
or do we need all the different sales senior salespeople selling it? But isn't that the tactic of the strategy? Is what it is a tactic of it, but it, but if it's the, the key thing that makes or breaks the success of it, I call it strategic. It's not like real nitty gritty. Like the next level down would be what exactly is the pitch. <laughs> So it's, 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 we're working our way down. We're trying different aspects of the strategy to find what's the final strategy going to look like. Does that work for you, Dan, or no? The trick is to have these little tactics that end up giving you the cannonball. The, the cannonball is what's strategically valuable. That's what we're working towards. All of sir. So they become, you know, it's interesting when your brain's like in the innovation thing, your brain shows them a, a whole bunch of ideas, and it, what could look like a teeny little idea could actually be, turn out to be the key strategy in something. So you never know uh, exactly what's going to happen there. So, um, look at my watch here. So, what would be. Well, think about your the one you're working on, so we don't give this short trip. Um, in, in, of these four, which m might be the most important for you to make sure is, is done right on the on the one you're working on? Do you need to do experiments, or do you really feel we got it? Uh, do you uh, do you think we need new competencies, or do you think you already have them? And if so, how are you going to get them? And, or, or where's the real key you know, resources going to be allocated? Just think that through. Because any one of these can trip it up. Which is a combination of what came out of the, the double barrel brain. Actually, it was single barrel brainstorming, just a negative one. Because uh, we didn't have that much time. And a combination of that. They needed new competencies and, 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 and resources. Uh, it's kind of an interesting one. Uh, it, it's a, a medium-sized company uh, selling uh, chemicals uh, to the uh, um, automotive, truck, whatever, uh, fuel additives industry. And this particular company um, always was the innovator. Always had the latest, greatest technology stuff. So we're doing the strategic planning. And one of the areas we look at is the new product pipeline. And we look up the pipeline, and it's empty. And we go, oops. You know, for whatever reason, the couple of major projects you're working on didn't turn out to be winning products. So like drug failing in, in clinical trials. And all of a sudden, you got an empty pipeline. The salespeople, all they ever talked about was the new products. That was their thing they were really hyped up on. We have nothing to talk about. So we said we got to have give them something to talk about for at least another year until we come up with something or license something, whatever. So we invented on the spot what we called facilitative marketing and sales, which would be the salespeople would go and instead of talking about what's coming down the pipeline, facilitate the the customers in terms of their own development efforts and what might be coming down our pipeline kind of just shift the conversation a bit and the top management team including the VP of sales said boy this is this is great this will fill the gap buy us a little bit of time I said do you need help in executing the strategy and they said no no that's our managers we're, we're exactly we know that's our specialty and I said great 
Two weeks later, I get a phone call. It's the VP of sales. He says, we have mass chaos. We've announced this to the sales people across the country, in fact, around the world. And they said, it's, there's total rebellion. And he says, Jim, can you possibly come to Toronto? And we have, we're doing an, a, a major industry program there. We got a lot of our salespeople there. He goes, can you work with us? All we got is a half a day. We got like three hours if at the most, two to three hours. Can you work with us and try to help us convince the sales force that, that this is a good thing? And he says, I'll, shoot, I'll send you some emails just to see what the flavor of it is. And one of them said, who the hell is this dumbass consultant who knows nothing about our industry that helped you come up with this and actually some of the words were worse than that to come up with this whatever strategy etc etc so anyway I show up up there got him in the room they're ready to kill me and, I, and whatever and I say okay we, the, manage, the VP of sales would you please in 10 minutes explain the strategy again and why we need it a case for change then I said okay let's do all your concerns, all, I want you to rip it apart. They must have come, I went flip chart, must have been 30 things. Then we went through them all, didn't do the middle evaluate, just went right to give me all the preventatives. And the, some of the things were, for, you know, we don't know what to say, we've never facilitated, we're salespeople. You know, we don't know how to do this, you know, what, you know, etc., etc. And by the time we got done, and they realized the need for it, because they had never said the case for change, they just said, here's what the strategy is going to be. At the end of it, they were 100% for it in a few hours. We go to lunch, and the person who sent the email says, uh, Jim, I have to apologize. He goes, I sent a really nasty email. And I said, I know I've read it. <laughs> that person was the most out, outspoken negatively, became the cheerleader for this. From one extreme to the other. I've seen that just in sales. The, the toughest nut to crack becomes your most loyal nut. Because of the, the drama or the, the change and then and they, they get full ownership when they've had to come right out of the dungeon into it. So our best customers are people who thought we were crazy whack jobs and they started all the deal with the likes of you. They're our best customers. They understand you well. Yeah, they do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they know you're crazy whack jobs. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, yeah, and I think that's a common theme in self. I think you know, it is. Yeah. Well, they're high-end people anyways, generally, and so one extreme to the other. So, now, we finally got them doing it, right? We've, we've given them resources. We're looking for quick wins. At the first sign of a quick win, we go and we got to celebrate. Then we got to reinforce, and we got to recognize and reward. Now, I, you guys know how to celebrate. Probably know how to recognize, and you know how to reward. But the one up there that's not done the most is this one, reinforce, meaning positive reinforcement. And it's as simple as this, attaboy, girl. There's not enough attaboy, girl in the world. Because this is your job, you're expected to do it. 
I thank you, Jones, but as you well know, yours is a thankless job. (laughs) (laughs) So, what we need to do is give them, I call it, sips of positive reinforcement. What's a sip? It's very specific. It's immediate. We catch them in the act, ideally, or within hours of the, not a week later in a review, and we make it personal to them. So it's not a team thing. It's an individual thing. Because if you give positive reinforcement to a team, the slacker on the team is going to go, great, I'll slack even more. So it has to be individual. And so whoever goes and even attempts, attempts to sell an outsourcing one and comes back empty-handed, what do we do? We give them attaboy, attagirl. For trying. The first step is trying. We're going to fail most of those first steps. Then eventually you wean them off the trying, attaboy, girl, And then when they're finally successful, we give them more of this. Little sips of great job. The specific what they did is immediate as possible and purely positive. No, and you know if you did this, it would have even been better. None of that. It has to be pure positive. Because if there's any hint of, here's what you could have done better, what do they remember? Mm the negative side of the amplitude, just like the other. So, little cartoon here, bad dog. Could you be more specific? (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing. You don't say just did a great job or great call. You gotta get right into the nitty gritty of what you're trying to get him to do different. Remember the starts? Okay, and then we don't sandwich it. I know Dick's not in favor of sandwiching, but this is what's typically done. You've all been trained in this. You're going to give feedback, so you put positive, did a good job on this and this. I wish you would have done this or this, or you could think about doing this, but let's end on a you know, positive note. Now, you know, so that is kind of standard feedback. I prefer the plus delta improvement and leave there, which is a little different than this. And this is called a shit sandwich. <laughs> And people know, they, they remember the shit, not the, 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 the bread, okay? There is not enough, I don't know why, do you believe there's enough, do you believe there's enough positive, in your career coming up, did you get enough positive reinforcement? I don't know anyone who feels they, I mean, it's very rare, very rare, okay? And it's free, it's free, and it's so uplifting. But if it's general, doesn't mean anything. If it's way later, doesn't mean any impact. And if it's not specific, it's not any value. So, new initiative, no reinforcement. You probably have no initiative. Another little formula here. So, uh, in addition to that, you need what key metrics. And then you meet, like, on a new initiative, you probably want to meet every week to get it off the ground and every month. And at the minimum for your strategic plan, you probably want to meet once a quarter for some hour, two, half day, and say, forget all the budgets, forget all that stuff, talk only strategy, is this thing working or not? And then from there, you can get to step eight. So we've now got some quick wins, and we can... 
share best practices. Ideally, the people that are getting the wins, we use them to do the communication of it through video, through webinar, through whatever, if you have multiple locations. Um, and you refine, as we talked about, if there's seven different ways to sell this outsourcing service, which ones seem to work. Now we're going to refine it down to a bullet, right? As opposed to a bunch of little BBs that we're trying. And then at this point, if people, after multiple messages, multiple tries, multiple cases for change, and demonstration that it's working, if they're not on board, this is the point where you have to make that decision, either get them out of the department or whatever area that they're critical to or out of the company. But you really want to wait till this step. If you do too early, you got to give them a break. they got to go through, I believe, uh, all these other steps. And then you have to drill it and anchor the change again through reviving the communication, going back, making sure it's still going, um, maybe using another bit of that fanfare stuff list. You don't use them all, you may need one or two just to keep it going. Maybe refresh it a little bit and uh, you can make this thing happen. Hopefully, your organization goes from this to this on this particular item. And then you line up a bunch of these and that's where it takes up results. You had a comment on that one uh, yesterday. Yeah, I thought it was know, great. I, uh, you know, I guess the question I would ask is, you know, what does your gut tell you when you look at that, especially the, the right side of that screen? How does that make you feel? What, what do you feel from that? Anybody have any response to that? It's perfection. Okay. Less operational friction. Okay. What else? Affirmative. Yeah. When I saw that yesterday, um, you know, I had a really um, uh, good feeling in my gut. I guess is the only way I could. I had an emotional reaction to that, um, especially looking at it against the red one. But the green one, it's like everything is in alignment here. Everything's in alignment. And what more could you possibly want in your company, or in your personal life, for that matter? So that's uh, that's the uh, benefit, hopefully, of uh, of employing these different techniques. So again, there's the short list again. No, we don't necessarily need to go through that. Um, now, if you've done one or more of those, usually it takes a couple. One, you know, it's like, wow, this was amazing. But then, you know, that was one off. We were lucky. Like, like you were saying, we did two, but we don't even know why it worked. Right. Okay. So after shuffle three, couple four of these big changes, your organization goes, wow, this is fun. <laughs> this And it can be done. As opposed to the normal chaos of anything new. And so at this point, you hit this level. And again, my... My symptom of that level. Yes, please. Can you go back? You skipped over to this one. No, next one. Then. Sure, sure. So point number three there. Mm-hmm. Transfer and replace those not on the bus. They're refusing. To At a certain point in time, 
You're not transferring someone who's not on the bus. You're throwing them off the bus. They used to be seated in an appropriate spot. So at a certain point in time, somebody at the line, you can't change the people who change the people, right? If you have to. At a certain point in time, it's like enough is enough. You're out of here, basically, because you're just not aligned. Exactly. That's what that is. Ideally, if they're a good employee, move them to another place. I'm hoping you get to that at some point, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. But you don't want to do it too soon. We have a tendency to pull the trigger too soon. We never gave them the sales pitch. We never told them why. We never told them the benefits. We never told them the consequences. We never showed them any proof of wins. And you're fired. See, I don't think that's fair. If you do all seven steps, eight, and you're at step eight, and you gave them, you know. Every chance. Every chance. It's like, okay, goodbye. More than half the organization has to actually get it adopted, and it's the laggards that, you know. If you're firing three quarters of the organization, then probably. You screwed up. Right. Definitely. It's the laggards who just won't join in case you hit them. You have some. And you really, but you want to give it the full. It's a percentage of the laggards. Because eventually the laggards, if you're doing it everything right, the laggards, the skeptics come along. But there, if there are a few that just refuse mm-hmm. to do it, there's too much friction at some point. Right, right. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure that we're going to Beautiful. So, again, you've got for this particular thing that you did, you got to reinvigorate it. Uh, develop a, 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 a case for the a continuous change in the organization. That this was great, but now we're going to have to do another and another to stay ahead. Um, you know, 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of change going on in a lot of industry. It was everything was just clocking along, and you could like, stay that ripple. But nowadays, your industry is doing this, whether you know it or not. You got to be constantly catching waves, or ideally, creating waves in your industry. Like this, we're going to own the outsourcing thing. Um, and so people have to know that. It's not like 20 years ago where everything was fairly stable. Um, and so, and then ideally every employee is, hey, this is cool. I want to be a part of the next change. So you hit that nirvana in execution excellence. And not that many companies achieve that, but some do. So with that, I'd like to just leave you with a couple final notes. Um, every organization is perfectly designed for the results it's getting, which is a scary thought. <laughs> okay, because you folks are the designers. <laughs> and um, so, again, quarterly meetings, and there's your checklist. So that's the, the, the nine steps. And I asked in the beginning to be brutally, ruthlessly honest, which is part of my model. Which of these steps could you completely skip, even in a, a medium-sized uh, new strategy change, whatever? Do you, you know what would be your vote for which step you could skip? Any thoughts? Just please. Well, I think you could roll some of these up. In, in fact, you know, I, I would even like to describe it as the three C's of execution excellence: create, communicate, celebrate. Oh, cool. And then I love could, it. And then you could bucket some of these things. You can. You can do them simultaneously. You're exactly right. Because you've got like two steps here, which you absolutely need to have, you know, create the case for, design, et cetera, et cetera. And I picked those three, Jim, because 
you said earlier on, and we've got it highlighted here again in the slide, that, which it makes sense to me, but it also stuns me. You have in Brown the three that people don't do. Right. Create the case for change. Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's my suggestion for the first C. Right. Uh, then sticking with the C theme, you know, communicate. And certainly overcoming barriers and resistance. Resistance is part of that. And then so, I mean, you know, that's the thing people don't do. Like you said a few minutes ago, who um, in the room has got too much praise on the way out of their career? And, you know, frankly, if you're, if you're a leader or a CEO right now, you know, everything's your fault. You don't get that much praise. You, know? you have to do something really special for somebody who force you to, you know, have them just unaided come in and say, you know, that was exactly what you needed to sound or So I love it. I could have just said those three words and that's what you to talk about three hours ago. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right though. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. You create it and thinking it all the way through. You communicate it, which is listening. Communication is two-way. See so all those and then you celebrate. Yeah, beautiful. Well said. Very well said. Well, any event, with that, um, Anybody else have one you want to drop out? I think they all have to be done at least 10 minutes worth of thinking. Or you could really, because a lot of them are pitfalls. You forgot to check the HR or, the, or this or that. And so it's more of a negative to, pre, to, to prevent it from uh, stalling. Okay. I guess my bias is people spend way too much time on four and nowhere near enough time on five. Yes. And my bias would be don't overthink for it. Just say it from the heart. Forget about placards, t-shirts, all the yeah. other bullshit. Just tell them what you want to do, and then spend a lot more of your time and herbs on five. I love it. You're exactly right. That's the one. You know, that's the biggest one not done, and has the most power. I agree with you on, on all the fanfare and all that kind of stuff, but I see it more as a reinforcement. Okay, because we use paychecks, notes on paychecks, everything like that to reinforce any type of major change that we're making. Cool. Visual controls in the break room, so forth and so on. So it, we could get it really deep into the organization. Mm -hmm. And it's past life of tons of people. Mm -hmm. So it does help all those different methods of community. It's a balance, whatever you like, you know, or style everything that we do. I don't know how much of it helped, but we felt it strongly that it was important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think it varies by industry, by leader style, whatever, but you're, this is the one that's not done. We had, we asked for hands, there was none. Okay, it's every group's like that. And it's, uh, you, when you do this, it'll, it's, like I said, if you do nothing, do step five. <laughs> You step by because they can't tear it apart unless they understand it already. And then have them put it back together and applaud and give them the positive reinforcement for doing that. Now we're all together and let's watch. Right. And I guess my bias here, Dan, is more what the thing that will drive most internalization is why. Yeah. You know, they're both important, and I get the idea of the reinforcement that, you know, it's five to me takes them. From skeptics to committed. Right. You know, if you do it right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. It is. Like, without question. I've been heard. Without question. Without question. Right. Great. So, um, the component parts of the big picture of getting breakthroughs is just summarized. 
The last time I was here, I spoke about what I call strategic innovation, not just planning. Planning is a simple little write the plan. It's what are you going to do different that's going to break through. Um, then you got to market it. So we talked a little bit about branding. And, and even in this internal marketing, it's ideal to brand with a slogan because it makes it stickier of whatever this change is going to be. Uh, not spending too much time on it, but it doesn't hurt to have a, a name for whatever this thing is. Then, undoubtedly, when you come out with a new strategy or new philosophy or culture, you're going to have to change your processes. That's this Lean Six Sigma. I know Genko's real big on the Lean, right? And then the Six Sigma is just uh, solving the impossible problem. Um, and then comes this one. So you do this one, this one, this one, and that's where the execution excellence kicks in, and that's the one that's ironically the, what leaders need to be doing, but it's your biggest challenge. So your organization hopefully is made up of eagles, great people, but they're kind of flying in their own direction a little bit, back like on my two triangles. And if you go through this alignment, alignment process with them, we can get them to do that. And when they're doing that, your company becomes a force to be reckoned with in the industry. And if you get to that level nine that I talked about, you might even be able to do that. Okay, acrobatics, if you will. So you have your mission, you got your strategy, now you're executing, and then now is the time to count them up. So with that, I say lead a wave. It all comes to wave. Create a wave to innovate, lead the wave of execution, and uh, I think you will be ultimately successful. May breakthrough be with you. <laughs>